0: Nothing the screen has ever shown before can surpass the thrills
1: of... The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. He- the Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. <laughs> The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast.
2: Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men
0: quake before the terror of their unleashed fury.
3: All new, all never to be forgotten, a new high in...
1: Visions from Monsterland. Hello, everyone.
4: Welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. My name is Jerry, and I am joined by uh, the first guy. His name is Don.
5: Screonk, everyone.
4: The second guy, his name is Derek.
3: Hello there.
4: And the third guy, his name is Mr. Venom. Why do I have to be the third guy? Uh, (laughs) Because if I was going to have a third for a threesome... I'm choosing you. Alright, that's acceptable. That was the best I could come up with. <laughs> uh we are here for our Ultraman special. We have talked about doing an episode where we all four just cover Ultraman. And today is that day, so we are very excited to do that. We will be covering four episodes. Each one of us will be uh running through an episode. But before we go there, we've got some cool stuff that's come out. Um Did anyone besides me get the Criterion Godzilla box set? Not yet. Nope. 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 Save your money. Um, I did a full YouTube video. You can catch a breakdown of it. Um, I'm not, I'm really not happy with the set. Uh, It's probably the best we would get as an American fan, but the more I think about it, the more I notice problems on both the Toho side of it and the Criterion side of it. So I'm I'm not happy. It's worth it if you can get it for around a hundred bucks. But I'll put it this way. I have higher quality HD prints of these movies on a hard drive that I got for that I downloaded off archive.org than that are on these discs. So take that as you will. Um we also got uh, Ultra Q on Blu-ray and Ultra Man on Blu-ray. Uh, you can get it in Steelbook or regular boxes. I got both of them on Steelbook. I know, uh, Mr. Venom, you got Ultra Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, did you get either of them?
3: I actually have one coming in the mail now. It's still in the post. Uh, Ultra
4: Q or Ultra Man?
3: Ultra Q. Ultra
4: Q. Gotcha. Don, you didn't get them, right?
5: more than likely christmas but if they don't arrive i'm not sweating it
4: gotcha okay well i'm gonna give y'all a little uh, overview of what i think of these sets uh first off ultra q is a hundred percent buy the uh quality is fantastic the episodes look absolutely beautiful the video quality is fucking great the audio quality is awesome uh, it, it, looks fantastic. Uh, it makes me understand why in Japan they are getting a 4K UHD box set of Ultra Q. Because the negatives that they have apparently are fucking amazing. Cause just the regular Blu-ray looks absolutely gorgeous.
1: But if you're like, uh,
4: when I told Venom about this, if you're like him and he's like, well, damn, I wish I would've got that. Well, the, the Japanese release one doesn't have English subtitles, and two is apparently around $300. Oh, wow. Uh, But it is loaded with special features. comes in a fucking nice big square box. It it looks beautiful. You can find a video of it on the official uh, Tsuburaya Productions YouTube channel, which uh, if you go scrolling through that YouTube channel, you will also find random ultra kaiju uh, dancing to children's music. So there's, there's that. Um, there is some English stuff on that channel, though. If you if you take a look, they have an English playlist of everything they have in there. Uh, as for the Ultraman Blu-ray, this is where things get interesting. So obviously, everyone knows by now there is no English dub to this set.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: It is strictly Japanese. Uh, the video quality on it is better than the DVD. Um, there is some stuff that still looks pretty grainy, specifically um, like when I when I rewatched the episode I'm covering today. Uh, I rewatched it my second time on the Japanese Blu-ray because I wanted to test uh, video and audio quality. Um, the audio quality for the Japanese dub is better than the Japanese uh, dub that's on the DVD set. Mm-hmm. Um, and the video quality is obviously better, but there are times where it still looks super fucking grainy, especially in the gas scenes where there's the gas coming down on, on Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that grain is is still heavily there. Maybe it's something with the filming of, of, of gas or smoke or whatever it is. Uh, but there are random – there is still some grain. But the video quality is noticeably better. Uh, It's not – jump out of your way to do it so w- I was kind of curious as to why there was no English dub on here so I got to do some research and I found this new YouTube channel called Vintage Hinchin who just put out one of the first video called Ultra Rewind the Secret History of Ultraman on American Home Video and I watched this video it's like 22 minutes long it's super high quality super well produced very informative uh, and I highly recommend it. If I'll remember, I'll try to put a link to the video in the description. Um, so I'm watching this and he's doing all the uh, US American home releases and it's very interesting. Well he gets to 2006 and gets to the box sets that we have. Um, now there are two there's a first print and a second print. Uh, the other guys on this show have the second print, which has more episodes on the DVD. So there's more compression. Uh, the disc menus are changed. The discs themselves are changed. Uh, it's completely different than the first print. So I guess I really even shouldn't call it first and second print. I have the first print where it comes in two separate boxes. Uh, and it's, it's done more high quality. Each, uh, each box set has three different DVD cases in it. Uh, the DVDs have like, uh, different colors to them. There's a yellow one that matches the yellow box, all that shit. The menus look better, all that. So, but with the sets that we have, there is a huge audio quality dip when it comes to, for the English dub, uh, Mm. when it comes to everything after episode four. Episode 1 through 4, pretty decent. Everything after that, tons of pops and pitches and and, and huge changes in audio quality. Uh, most of the audio quality is pretty poor. And here's why. So, uh, as most of y'all know, and I'm not going to get deep in, I'm not really going to get into it at all, but there, there's been a huge lawsuit that's been going on for fucking a decade uh, or more with... Uh, it's a Suburaya company in Japan, and a uh, Chinese company that claims to have international rights international to rights. tons. Tayo.
5: They're from Taiwan. From Thailand. Uh,
4: they have a they have a company oh, in Taiwan, but the yeah, original I, guy is actually in no, I China. Know
5: what, I know which one you're thinking of. As soon as I said that, I know which one you're thinking of. It's that illegal animation thing that popped up.
4: No. No. Uh, this mm-hmm. guy actually helped make movies with the su- uh, with the su- the su- Subaraya company um, in the seventies. Uh, he's the one that he's one That's of the people Ch- that.
5: Oh, yeah, then I was right the first time. That's Chayo. That's yeah, but Thailand. they're
4: not based in in Taiwan. they ba- they were based in. I know. I said China. Thailand. Okay, Taiwan or Thailand? Neither one of those correct. It was based in China. Or at least okay. according to the research I was looking at, all of it points to them. But they do have subsidiaries in multiple different countries. But the main guy who had the paperwork that said he had the rights uh, was from China.
3: Are you talking about like that 7 Ultraman movie with the Golden statue guy?
4: Yeah, yeah, where it's like Ultraman versus the Monster Army.
3: Yeah, yeah that's
5: the one I was talking about. That's Chayo. Yeah, that's uh Coast yeah, Post- on Ch-
4: yeah, Chayo's the right name for sure, but I was more talking about, you said Thailand or Taiwan, but it was China.
5: Well, because there was a, f- a series of animated Ultraman movies that came out of China like 2015 or 16. I thought that's what you were talking about. No, no,
4: I'm talking well before then. I'm talking when uh, the, yeah, the, the, s- the second yeah, president the, of the Tsuburaya production died. Um, yeah, that was,
5: yeah, that's Chayo. That's the debate with them.
4: Yeah, that that's I'm not talking about any animation. This is all yeah, okay. uh live action and production rights and shit. Uh so uh he, he's the one that showed up when um Tsuburaya's son, who was running the company, died, uh claiming he had uh international rights to like the first seven Ultra series from Ultra Q to Taro, I think. Uh um, yeah. And like the paperwork had all this misspellings, the signature was completely wrong, but it had the seal, which in Japan, if you have that that person's seal, it's basically a done deal. So anyway, they've been fighting this fucking rights uh, problem forever. It's finally resolved. Tsuburaya has all the rights back internationally and all that shit, which is how we got this new uh, Blu-ray set. But going back to the that original Blu-ray set and or the original DVD set that we all have. Um, and including the Ultra Q and Ultra 7, uh, from Shout Factory, which both of those are now out of print, uh, because they can't legally make them, um, mm-hmm. so what they did to, okay, so first off, the video quality is from a, the first Ultraman series DVD release in Japan, um, It is, on the back of the sets, it'll say, uh, like our set, or at least my set does. I don't know if it says it for the second print. But it says, like, it's a new remaster. It's not. They took the, the, the exact same video and put it on there. That's also where they got the Japanese audio. But for the English audio, the first four episodes are the ones that actually came from a legit VHS release. Which is the uh, Ultraman Volume One 30th Collection? It's the VHS that I have that I got um, uh, Ultraman suit actor uh, Ben Furra to sign. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that one, and that's really the only uh, official release that actually has the English dub on home video. That's not a bootleg, so it's the only time you can really hear like the proper dub. But it's only for the first four episodes. So everything after that, they took from bootlegs that fans were selling and spreading through uh, fan mailing things and uh, shit like uh, selling them at conventions. That's why the audio was so bad. The only way they could get the audio was from bootlegs.
3: Makes sense.
4: So I thought that was super interesting. And uh, also fun fact, uh, our Ultraman DVD sets we have. Are now officially uh, official bootlegs. Uh, to Su- <laughs> to does not consider them to uh, be legit copies. Uh, so we all uh, have bootlegs now.
3: Hell yeah! Yeah, I'm a pirate.
4: Yeah, which is fun. I, I think it's fun. Um, does anyone have the Ultra Seven DVD set from Shout Factory?
3: No, I've been eyeing it for years. I have
4: too. Yeah, in... same here. Now I, I wonder I, if I've the price is a... going to shoot up.
5: Yeah, I I was never able to find it at a price I wanted.
4: Yeah, does well? Does it have the English? dub? If it doesn't have the English dub, because I know it does have an English dub, it was English dub in Hawaii or some shit. Yeah, um, but the
5: thing with that was is that the dubs aren't full episode dubs because they were all edited for for te- for content over there. So almost all of the episodes are going to be two or three minutes short because they cut out all the gore of the series.
4: Well, that's fine with me because the only reason I would want the um, Shout Factory Ultra 7 release is if it had an English dub because if not, we can all wait till December and get the um, Mill Creek Blu-ray release.
5: Yeah, I've seen the dub on... I've seen like the videos with the dubs on YouTube and they're actually not bad. They have kind of like a South Pacific, you know, accent to them ever because they're dubbed in Hawaii. So they kind of have like an Asian accent. So it kind of sounds legit. But from what I'm told, the episodes are two to three minutes shorter because they cut out all the gore. So it's not like a full length dub.
1: Hmm.
4: I'll have so, to look into that.
5: Yeah. Cause um, when, cause the interesting thing that I've, Heard about that was that they actually aired those like 20 years after the fact when they finally realized, holy shit, we've been sitting on the rights to these all along. And Because Yeah, they actually, Subarai had actually sold the rights to television studios in Hawaii back in the 60s, but nobody knew about it. And so they just left them languishing in the vaults. And then 1985 comes around and it's like, oh shit, we've still got the rights to these things you know, let's put them on the air and see if anybody wants them. And so after that, there was this huge explosion in Hawaii of Ultraman. Like he's, he's actually almost as popular in Hawaii as he is in Japan.
4: I know the wines. They love that. Um, So guess what I did today, guys? What'd you do? I watched Ultraman porn parodies. Oh boy. Uh it, it, it was really funny. Uh if you want some uh super Sentai slash ultraman style porn parodies, they are out there for you. Um I watched one that was called uh Arius. Arius are soldiers of light, and they're also hermaphrodites. Uh <laughs> Yeah. The they the suit looks like an Ultraman suit, uh, not a, not not fully an Ultraman suit, but it uses the same silver and red color patterns. Um, the monster fight scene wasn't that bad. Yes, there was a full monster fight scene before any of the porn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like literally, the monster suit kind of looked like a shitty version of Gamora. And Ultraman like legit like the fake Ultraman the Arius had like a chest light and everything. <laughs> uh, and yes Ultraman's penis in this is red and silver it is a red and silver oh, dildo I thought you were going to say his penis was the beta capsule <laughs> no but they should have fucked someone with the beta capsule you would think yeah Yeah. I also, yeah I also watched another one called Japanese Heroin uh, which then it was just called Japanese Heroin Kaori Sejima uh, which apparently Kaori Sejima was the actress that was in it um but it, it that one's more of a lady in an Ultraman outfit fighting monsters. Um, like, it even has, like, the red screen where, like, it shows a red screen. Then it's, like, just a picture of Ultraman coming closer to you. They did that except with her. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was pretty funny. Uh, but, yes, there is uh, Ultraman porn out there. There was even a weird one I could only find, out like, a 30-second clip of. But it was Ultrawoman uh, becoming pregnant. And I don't mean like she was getting like inseminated. I meant like her belly was expanding. <laughs> uh, it was very, very fucking weird. Um, and you can find all, some of these are on X videos. Uh, they also had episode one of Ultraman 80 on there, but there was no English dub. And hmm. I was just like, oh my God, this is brilliant. YouTube will take everything down. Let's upload it to Pornhub.
3: <laughs> there you go.
5: Man, I've seen a bunch of weird stuff
4: pop up on porn
2: sites.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I just don't know who's going to porn sites and being like, man, I really want to watch Ultraman 80. Then again, I went on X-Videos and looked up Ultraman porn. So, (laughs) I guess I should (laughs) shut the fuck up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was my day of, of Ultraman home video releases and ultra porn parodies. With that being said, uh, let's get into our episodes. We have four episodes today, um, and uh, Mr. Venom is starting us off with the first one. So Venom, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you very much, Jerry. All right. Our first episode is
0: Ultraman episode number 15 on the Mill Creek DVD. It is titled The Space Ray of Terror. Uh, Jerry, I believe you know what the alternate title is
4: uh terrifying cosmic rays there you go
0: basically the same thing just kind of moved around a little bit this episode first aired on october 23rd 1966 it is directed by Akio jizoji and the episode goes like this uh, our episode opens up with some shots of some children's artwork drawings that they've done in crayon uh, children hand- in quotation marks Well, yeah, children in quotations, of course, Um, looking at their drawings uh, as they're displayed on the screen. Now, unfortunately, for any of us uh, like myself who own that second print of the Mill Creek Ultraman box set, this scene is undubbed and unsubtitled. So... Were, uh, I, I basically had to do a little bit of research with some help from mr Donna Nelly to try to figure out what exactly they're saying and uh basically the gist of it is um the kids are kind of showing off their monster artwork uh there's a couple of shots of naranga and red king that kind of flash by the screen and then we actually get a picture of beethoven go by the screen and one of the girls in the scene starts admonishing one of her classmates for saying that, you know, Beethoven is a composer. He's not a monster. So why did you draw him here? But you know, I digress. Then they get to a, um, <laughs> <laughs> the kids basically start making fun of one of the drawings for being very odd looking. I was going to diplomatically say it looks gelatinous, but Mr. <laughs> kind of pointed out that it does basically look like a giant semen.
3: I was thinking of, uh, look who's talking when I saw
0: her. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
4: exactly. I of the opening scene from itchy, the killer.
3: That's a,
0: didn't Not think of bad. that. <laughs> um, and then the kids uh, ask him what the name of his kaiju is, and he lets them know the kaiju's name is Gavadon, at which point, you know, the kids all laugh at him uh, because of how he looks, of course. At this point, we are transported to a construction site where one of the boys is seen, or the boy who was being laughed at for his gelatinous drawing is drawing the exact same monster on a concrete cylinder one of those giant concrete pipes that you'll see on construction sites um so like i said that was the boy who was being picked on for his uh sperm picture in the previous scene uh some of his uh, some of the kids from his class then join him and the kids tell him to be careful because the owner of the yard will get upset if he's caught vandalizing his property uh the boy makes a comment about if his drawing was huge they would have a vicious creature on their hands. How he makes that comment is beyond me, but there it is. Uh, the other kids laugh, and while one of the kids tried to, tries to grab the artist's marker, uh, at that point, they try to improve his drawing, but all they really do is extend the tail a little bit. Um, we then briefly see the, the same construction site at night and a bolt of lightning is seen flashing through the sky. It's literally a really quick scene. It's like three seconds long. At that point, we are taken to the Science Patrol headquarters where uh, our captain receives a phone call. The call was from the Space Ray Laboratory about an odd discovery that they'd recently made. Uh, there seems to be a strange change in the space rays that are falling to Earth. Um, before we actually get an explanation, we then see the kids um, a- on a playground looking at a real life size version of Gavadon just standing there. He's not, or just sitting there because he doesn't really have legs like i said he's gelatinous um so uh, like i said the kids are uh, watching him um one of the kids asks if anyone can hear a strange sound while another kid says the name gavadon it's gavadon yay you know for some somehow suddenly gavadon is cool and everybody's happy about it um the kids lament that there's uh At this point, the kids go back to the construction site. And while they're walking there, they're lamenting how there's no school today. So apparently Japanese kids absolutely fucking love going to school. Good on them. (laughs) Because there's not that many American kids who love going to school. So good. Like I said, kudos to them. Uh, while one of the kids suggests that they just decide to call it a holiday and play games all day. At this point, the construction site owner finds the kids and admonishes them for drawing on his pipes, basically vandalizing his property. He tells them that they must clean up the damage until the yard looks the way it did before they started drawing. But then to his surprise, the drawing disappears. It's no longer on the pipe. Uh, The kids are also surprised to see the drawing missing and wonder what could have happened. We then see the science patrol chasing uh, the full-size Gavadon through the city. Now, guys, we got to talk about uh, Gavadon A's uh, design. He literally looks like a piece of felt that was just stapled onto one of those bouncy balls. Do you remember those big bouncy balls we had as kids? That like They had handles on them, and we literally just bounced around yeah. on them. They were a form of transportation, I guess. Yeah. I forget what those mm-hmm. things were named, but yeah. That's the exact sound effect that Gavadon is making as he's bouncing around the city, and he is literally bouncing. Um, it almost sounds like two rubber gloves just kind of being rubbed together. Oh, man, it's awful. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, like I said, uh, I lost my place here. Sorry. Um, the kids are also surprised to see the drawing missing, and they wonder what could have happened. As I said, the Science Patrol is then seen attacking the creature from the sky. They proceed to drop bombs on this absolutely terrible-looking kaiju, and ultimately, nothing happens. Um, he starts the laughing. <laughs> yeah, basically, the the kaiju just crawls on its belly towards a train yard, and you know that's when we start to hear that sound of the two rubber gloves rubbing together, of it bouncing to its next destination. Uh, The science patrol then attempt another bombing run with the same results. Basically, it just looks like they annoy the creature more than anything. He's just ignoring them and continuing on his merry way. A third bombing run is attempted, and this time they seem to have visibly annoyed Gavadon. Uh, the science patrol then realizes that the kaiju's tail is its weak spot. How they figure that out, who knows? Uh, but they may, they make the point that its weak spot is the tail. They then uh, continue dropping bombs on the kaiju's back until a large piece of its tail is actually blown off. And I wasn't sure if that was like the piece of tail that was added to the drawing. Do you remember uh, in the original drawing that one kid grabbed the marker? Yeah. Extended the tail and then it seemed like that was the segment of the tail that got broken off so maybe maybe by adding that segment to the drawing it kind of made it like a segmented tail uh, when he actually came to life Who knows? Mm-hmm.
5: yeah that's that's what i was getting from it was because it wasn't the original design because they never erased the original line they just drew it longer they just extended it so i figured it was like a added piece of it that you know, it's not as fully strong as the rest of the monster. Exactly. Because it's not, because it's not like the it's not part of the original design. It's just tacked on.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much what happened. So its tail is blown off. Uh, at this point, they continue to bob the creature until it starts to slow down and appears to have been defeated. But what is actually happening is the creature fell asleep. He just decided to take a nap right in the middle of the whole attack. At this point, our, our beautiful Akiko Fuji, uh, she actually gets upset because she makes the comment of, is the creature actually resting? And she, I, I, why she's offended is beyond me. But, I mean, maybe that's just from the English dub. But, yeah, she, like, visibly gets offended at it at this point at this point in uh the episode something really funny happens that i was talking to uh, jerry about before we started recording um and for those of you who own this second print of the uh, mill creek ultraman series I'm not sure if you're going to see this, but basically what happens is one frame of a black and white Western movie is seen on the screen, and then it just goes away. It's literally like somebody just cut, they did a fight club, and they just put in one frame of this Western. I'm not sure if anybody else has seen that. If you have, please chime in on the Facebook uh, the Facebook group and let us know if you saw it too, because I'm, I'm sitting here wondering if I got a defective box set, because I, no, I, technically- I think
5: that's... Uh, I got that as well, so I Oh, think, awesome! <laughs> yeah, that's on mine, and it was also on several of the uh, YouTube clips I was using earlier, just to try to figure out like what the fuck. Okay. Because when so I good. first got when I first got my set, I had that too. So I went onto YouTube, and those videos had it as well.
4: Awesome. All right. And so- my set, I do not recall seeing any kind of black and white Western clip. I may need to rewatch the episode to double check it's yeah. literally a
0: single frame
5: yeah it's like yeah it's almost as if you're blinking and you will literally miss it but yeah. it's right after it's right before when the military when the military is setting up around to bomb it before the sun sets there is a shot where you see the soldiers lined up and then there's a spliced shot like right after that and then it cuts right back into the regular episode yeah. mm, I don't I'll
4: be Interest to see if I have it, just because I have a comp- I have a different set than y'all.
3: I might have to rewatch that. No, I don't remember I, that either.
4: Well, I mean, if it's a if Don says it's a blinker, you miss the kind of thing, and then we Absolutely. might have missed it while taking notes. Um, but since I, mean, I do I have the so- higher quality version, I'll have to check and see if mine's got it.
0: Yeah, I'd like to think they corrected that on your set. But um, like I said, since I watched this episode like four or five times over well, the that last would, couple of days, I, I obviously saw it. So, well, that
4: my set came out before y'all's set.
0: Oh, you've got the first print. Okay.
4: Mine's first. I have the first print set. Y'all have the second print set. So it would actually have been something that was screwed up either from the get-go and it's on my set or it was a s- screw-up when they were – compressing the episodes to fit more on more discs because y'all have like 10 episodes per disc and i have like eight Mm
0: -hmm. makes sense Mm. all right so as i mentioned at this point the creature has fallen asleep as indicated by the beautiful lullaby music that's playing in the soundtrack that almost put me to sleep at one point but i digress Uh, The creature suddenly wakes up for no real reason. I mean, he wasn't really attacked or anything. He just wakes up. Um, The science patrol decide to attack the creature from the air. Um, Gavadon starts to walk away and suddenly disappears, literally just vanishes in midair um, as he's trying to walk away. Uh, The science patrol thinks that the creature may have turned into a star that just appeared in the sky right after he disappeared. Uh, we'll we'll get a little bit more of an explanation of that later in the episode. So at this point, the science patrol received another phone call that tells them that odd space rays that we were mentioned earlier have landed on Bombay, Washington and New York, which is a very odd grouping for, you know, cosmic dust to be falling from the sky. But whatever. Uh, apparently it had uh, three major destinations it wanted to go to. Hey. Those are all good cities, so rock on. Uh, Let's see. They are also informed on this same phone call that the space rays contained unusual light factions, as they put it. And when those unusual light factions are combined with our own sunlight, they have the ability to turn 2D objects into solid 3D objects. Now, where the fuck did they get that theory? (laughs) Did you guys think that they just pulled that out of nowhere? Uh,
5: in twenty in a twenty-five minute children's weekly TV series, I kind of buy it. I mean, it's no use. It's no worse off than some of the other half-assed explanations we've had so far. I mean, you know, yeah, I would probably want to know a little bit more. And I mean, you can do that as in like a feature-length film. Although I think you'd probably get laughed at. But in like a twenty-five minute children's weekly TV series, yeah, it's no worse than some of the other bullshit we've had to, so, to swallow. Yeah, very
0: true. Very sure. true. So uh, at this point, um, let's see, the science patrol realized through an overheard conversation that the kids drew a monster that day uh, in the um, construction site that I had mentioned earlier, which is probably where the c- creature came from. So once again, the very first theory they come up with is the correct one. So science patrol is obviously way more brilliant than I give them credit for. Kudos to them. Let's see. uh, At that point, we see the kids congratulating the original artist for his creation. The boy exclaims that the other kids helped, too, which they fucking didn't. All they did was they added that extension to his tail and basically just made fun of this kid unmercilessly. Especially
3: that fat kid.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, I mean, this kid I mean, this kid's an absolute angel because um, the fact that these kids make fun of him for his creation, laugh at him when he gives them the name of the kaiju. And then suddenly he's willing to give them credit for the creation of it. God bless this kid. He's he's going to grow up to be a solid uh, adult. So kudos. Um, let's see, the kids decide. Uh, at this point, the kids decide to draw a new monster and make a more colorful and and uh, potentially come up with more abilities than just sleeping, because uh, all the kids are disappointing that their creation does nothing but sleep. Uh, at this point, the yard owner shows up and <laughs> splashes water on the kids with a bucket and all the kids scatter which exposes the beautifully drawn monster that is now on the pipe and this one's obviously more uh, more art, um well more well drawn out he's got claws he's got exposed teeth he's got scales he just looks way cooler he's all colorful um yeah flat out the, the new monster looks badass compared to the sperm stain that we got the first time (laughs) (laughs) uh the science patrol then realizes that the creature can only live in daylight due to the light factions that we talked about earlier So Ito, the absolute fucking comedian that he is, suggests that the science patrol just take a day off since the creature just likes to sleep. He's not hurting anybody. He's not destroying anything. He just says, "Eh, let's let him be. Let him do what he wants. Obviously, the captain is against Ito's idea, but he's actually willing to ponder it for a bit uh, in the hopes of coming up with a better plan. But uh, kudos to the captain for humoring him.
5: Well, if you really want to know, if you want to listen to the Japanese version, because I have, I took the time to find the original version. Uh-huh. The original version of that, I, that conversation is a lot more harsh and a lot more harsh on Fuji than what you would normally suspect. So I wow. translated the entire conversation. Oh, cool, So he goes, please. yes. So he goes, Cap. I have a good idea. Gabadon was Mushiba's drawing that became 3D, right? Fuji goes, we know that. Ito says, shut up. When the sun's rays disappear, he turns to picture form. Cap, it's night now. Gavadon is just a picture. I see. If we go right now, we can erase the picture. Right. Arashi goes, idiot. The science patrol shouldn't clean graffiti. Captain Moro, what a uh, dull solution. Everyone get a get enough rest for tomorrow's mission. Tomorrow, we will have a fair fight with the monster.
0: Ay, Dios mío.
5: That's the original conversation that takes What's place. Funny-
0: What's funny is Ito's idea makes absolute 100% sense. If he's a drawing at night and you erase the drawing, then there's nothing to come back to life. You know, unless there's something about the rules of Gavadon that I'm not aware of, it that seems like it would make sense. At the very least, it seems like it would be worth trying. I mean, what's it going to take you? 15-20 minutes to go to the site just splash some water because, I mean, they just drew it on there with chalk the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just colored chalk, whereas the original uh, drawing of Gavadon was done in black marker. So this was literally just chalk. They could have just washed it off. And if the idea didn't work and Gav- uh, Gavadon still showed up the next morning, then fine. Go on with your, your original plan. But, yeah, uh, that seemed like it was just the captain being a dick for the sake of being a dick
4: also you're the science patrol you don't have to go clean up graffiti if you know the kids who did it you go tell their parents and their parents are like oh my god kids go clean that up and they 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 make the kids go clean it all it's not hard like ito's concept here is absolutely brilliant it should have been done giving a fair fight to a monster no you literally, in a few episodes, are going to start shooting monsters in their genitals. You might as well start cleaning the pictures off the walls that kids drew. Come on, food. You know, I food. Love... Well, the thing is,
5: is that they call her an idiot and they tell her to shut up when she's actually agreeing with them on what their plans are. So I just love that whole conversation. Okay, so
4: or... I'm confused about something because in the English dub, it's Ito who says, um,. We should go clean off the monster, and the Japanese dub Fuji agrees with him, and they call her dumb.
3: Right. Wow, wow that's... <laughs> that seems harsh. That's why he's in the exactly. friend zone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Because I because I, I ended up and I turned on the subtitles because I went. I ended up turning on the subtitles by accident. Mm-hmm. So it translate the subtitles on the DVD translate the original attack the original japanese release not what the dubs say on say in english
2: <laughs>
5: so i ended up and i was like wait what the f-? so i was like oh my god i gotta translate this these guys are gonna love it
0: <laughs> oh and we do thank you so much that was great so,
5: also yeah, it's, like i said it's funny because i mean you know ito is completely correct in the translation you know if it shows up just leave it alone it's gonna sleep what's it gonna do But then, you know, the the idea of going out and actually being proactive and stopping these things from coming out with with a completely genuine and, you know, ingenious idea is laughed off as him being an idiot.
3: Which would be cheaper. Which would be cheaper on taxpayers' money, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
5: And then (laughs) the captain wants to go out and have a fight with it because that's what we do.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Terrible logic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The conversation is so funny.
3: No pearls it, it, for you. No pearls for Fuji that month.
0: Oh man, it definitely sounds like the captain was just thinking with his dick the whole time. I think he just wanted to get in a fight. He didn't want to do it, finish it the easy way because then because then the science patrol doesn't get any credit. I think I, I think he wants the science patrol to be the you know those elevated heroes that everyone loves because they keep saving the day. Blah blah blah.
4: When actually it's Ultraman, but whatever. That's a story yeah. for another day. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch this episode on the new Ultraman Blu-ray set. Uh, because they're, the subtitles from the DVD set for the Japanese version are different on the new Blu-ray set. Uh, oh. The new Blu-ray set is apparently a much more faithful translation. Which I was like, I didn't realize that the DVD set had a bad subtitle translation. But apparently it does. And, and when I watched my episode on there... I actually did notice a few different word changes from the Japanese subtitles on the DVD to the Japanese subtitles on the Blu-ray. Uh they were they used more precise wording on the Blu-ray. So I want I'm going to have to rewatch this on the Blu-ray to see how that scene plays out.
0: Awesome. All right, so back to our episode. Um, after the captain kind of, you know, talks down to Ito and Fuji, um, there is one line of unsubtitled and undubbed Japanese narration, uh, and it's heard when our original artist uh, returns to the construction site. So who knows what he's saying there? I'm sure Jerry and Don might have an idea once they watch that. But yeah, it's literally just one line of of narration. So it's obviously it's Hayata's voice. Uh, giving narration probably just saying something like in the next morning you know our our boy returns to you know the site of his art something along those lines but anyway <laughs> um as the kid is returning to the construction site the kids are uh, the rest of the kids from the gang are all kind of returning to the yard and they watch the new drawing of gavadon actually start to pulsate basically the chalk that they use to write it uh, to dry on the pipe actually starts to rise and almost starts to take like a 3d quality and it's pulsating the whole time um the creature then starts to turn into almost like a 3d clay sculpture um against still he you know he's still attached to the pipe but he's getting more and more 3d and he's looking more and more claymation as he gets bigger at that point the uh the yard owner once again shows up to try to catch the kids uh, you know, doing something wrong, and he is greeted by Gavadon, basically screaming at him, "Good morning, sir. How are you?" Hi,
2: how are you doing?
0: There you go. <laughs> uh, the owner then finds uh, the children and asks them what they did. And this, to me, is one of the most chilling scenes, uh, unintentionally chilling hey, scenes in the episode. The, the kids all surround the owner and they're basically spinning around him while chanting, we made a monster, we made a monster. And I'm thinking if this was a horror movie, those kids would be the villains. Cause that, that was just so, you, you see the poor owner in the middle of the circle and he's just as creeped out as I am watching this scene. So turns
3: the children of the core and they just exactly.
0: kill. Them. Oh my God. It was, it, it was village of the damned all over again. It was, it was so weird. Um, so anyway, uh, at this point, the monster is then seen in his full form. The uh, the artwork on the pipe f- completely disappears and the monster promptly falls asleep in the streets. <laughs> and once again, we get our beautiful lullaby music to pander at us, to let us know that the creatures asleep, even though he's laying motionless and fucking snoring. So it's obviously, you know, it's very obvious he's sleeping. We don't need the beautiful lullaby, but whatever. Uh, The narrator then comes on and says that even though Gavadon has not attacked the city, most of his residents, uh, most of its residents have fled the city and locked or locked themselves in their homes and workplaces. So basically the city is dead. There's no people out there. And Gavadon is just sleeping in the streets. But like I said, because of the fear of what could happen, you know, everybody deserted the city. Uh, The science patrol then receives a phone call stating that even though Gavadon has not attacked, farms and factories are not being worked on, which is basically bringing the city to a halt. So, you know, eventually, you know, food and textiles are going to suffer because of this lack of work. So the science patrol decides it must deal with Gavadon the next day. Yeah, they don't spring into action that moment. They decide, uh, let's do it tomorrow, which I don't Uh. know. That struck me as odd. Maybe, maybe once again, it's something that was lost in translation with the English dub. But I just found that to be a a weird choice because it's still daylight. Um, I I don't know what time of day it is. It's not like they say, oh, the sun's about to go down anyway. Let's deal with it tomorrow. He flat out just says, "Ah, we'll take care of it tomorrow. So there you go. Um, Ito thinks that if they erase the drawing from the pipe uh, during the night when it's just a drawing, that it could eradicate Gavadon um he once again he is kind of uh, mildly made fun of by the captain and once again the captain decides that's not what we do you know we 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 attack anything that's uh, a threat to the city so they decide to attack the monster in their usual way which you know sounds boring as hell but whatever um the kids decide they don't like the fact that gavadon just sleeps uh, when a monster is supposed to do so much more. So the kids actually decide to alter the drawing that evening. Uh, we don't actually see what they alter. They just kind of walk up to it with their crayons and they're drawing something on it. We never get a close-up, like I said. Um, obviously, their intention is to make Gavadon much more traditional, monster-like, you know, rampaging through the city and whatnot. At that moment, the yard owner then comes out of hiding because he was hiding behind the pipe waiting for the kids to show up, and he splashes a bucket of water at him to scare them off. Uh, But the next morning Gavadon awakens as expected and promptly falls asleep. Uh, (laughs) The army is then seen firing missiles at Gavadon, which wake him up, Uh, the military then attacks him with giant flamethrowers when they realize the missiles aren't really doing a whole lot. But even after the flamethrower attack, the Japanese tanks continue their missile attack on Gavadon. Man, the Japanese military budget must be amazing with all the missiles they waste on Kaiju. (laughs) Incredible. Their their gross national product must just be amazing. So anyway... um, Uh, Let's see, the Japanese tanks continue their missile attack. The science patrol is about to attack Gavadon from a bridge, uh, which seems to be over some kind of water reservoir of some kind. But then Hayata sees the children in the line of fire, uh, basically waving their arms, trying to get their attention, begging them not to attack Gavadon. Hayata then tries to get to the children by moving through the water, um, but is promptly pulled under by the reservoir's water current um there's a moment of like terror if you will because it looks like hayata is about to drown in the reservoir but then a couple of seconds later we see hayata's arm raised from above the water level and he's holding the beta capsule at which point he transforms into ultraman and at this point i'm gonna go ahead and pass it over to my, one of my partners in crime mr don for the ultraman fight report take it away don
5: All right. Ultraman flies away from the river as the science patrol round up the rest of the kids on the bridge where they keep protesting not to hurt Gavadon. Ultraman lands behind the creature and grabs its tail, preventing it from getting away. He finally lifts him up off the ground and swings it several times by the tail, finally tossing it in a heap by the side of the river. Gavadon rights itself and charges at Ultraman, who stands it up on its hind legs and flips it over its shoulder causing the kids to cry out in fear for its life. Gavadon rights itself and charges again, causing Ultraman to grab its arms and flip it over his head, where it lands on its back and can't rights itself. Ultraman goes in and lifts the creature over his head in a military press, causing the kids to protest even more about not hurting Gavadon. Understanding their pleas, Ultraman takes the struggling creature into space, never to be seen again.
3: Aww. <laughs>
0: all right and then right after the fight uh the original artist of the drawing is seen bowing his head in sadness he's obviously very sad that the uh that his creation has been dispatched from uh, the planet uh the kids are then seen in a field at night just kind of looking up in the sky throwing rocks in the water and you can hear a few of them sobbing in the background When out of nowhere, a godlike voice is heard speaking to them from on high, basically telling the children not to be sad because they'll be able to see Gavadon once a year on this very night up in the stars. And at that moment, an Ultraman constellation actually appears in the sky for a brief moment. And then right after uh, the Ultraman constellation kind of fades away, a Gavadon constellation appears in the sky. And then at this moment, one of the stars in the sky, which just happens to be right near Gavadon's eye, falls, which makes it look like the constellation is crying. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. (laughs) The children are then uh, seen... At this point, we are transported to a scene of the kids uh, and not just the original kids, but a bunch of kids making multiple monster drawings on the chalk, not just monster. They're also drawing other little happy creatures. Um, which is going to leave American audiences a little bit confused because they never actually, in the American version, they never actually discuss the resolution for the whole light fractions combining with our sunlight uh, and you know creating monsters. But Jerry's going to chime in here in a little bit and talk about how that's resolved in the Japanese version. Uh, as I said, the Science Patrol is at the playground watching these kids all draw chalk. Monsters on the pavement. The narrator then explains that scientists are slowly solving the mystery of the space rays and how they react and when they combine with our sunlight. He then states that the science patrol will have to keep a close eye on all monsters that children draw moving forward. And that is episode fifteen of Ultraman. So Jerry, why don't you uh, chime in and let, uh, tell tell the audience what you were telling me earlier about how they kind of resolve that whole thing in the Japanese version.
4: So basically they just more specifically state that they figured out and understand the fractured rays and they've solved that problem completely. They don't tell you how they did it, but they tell you it's resolved and they fixed it. Uh, and then with the end of it, with the kids drawing, they talk about the science patrol, uh, making sure that none of the kids are drawing something uh that could be considered a bad monster. Uh, They're basically sallow 120 days of Sodom, these kids, (laughs) to make sure no one fucks (laughs) up. And and the Japanese version is less ominous. It's more they fix the problem and they're making sure kids do not draw something they shouldn't draw. That makes makes more sense.
3: In the whole episode, I'm thinking, wow, we could have got a giant Beethoven and destroying the city.
0: Yeah, really? What the hell? <laughs>
3: could,
0: have been, could have been the origin story
5: of Clifford the Big Red Dog.
3: <laughs> Very nice. Oh, that would have been awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's episode 15. Uh, What'd you guys think overall? Oh, you know, I'm going to chime in first because this episode is considered one of the worst episodes of Ultraman. It actually has the lowest rating of the original 40 episodes on IMDb. It's only like a 5.3 or something, whereas pretty much every other episode is like over a seven for most cases. You get the occasional 6.7, 6.8. But you know what? I didn't hate this episode. I actually found myself rather engrossed more in the comedy of it than anything else. Um, like, a lot of times when these episodes have a lot of child involvement, I tend to, you know, not like what the kids are doing or I roll that was kind
5: of what. That was one of the reasons why I wanted you to tackle this one.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't think that any of the kids were obnoxious. I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the episode when they were making fun of the kid for the original drawing, but you know, kids will be kids. But ultimately, after that, they all came together. They wanted to create this monster. Lord knows what their actual intention was if they actually wanted to create a monster that would destroy the city because they were so upset with the fact that all he does was sleep. But. I, I gotta say that for the for the for this 25 minutes, I was fairly engrossed. Um, I I took a lot of what the kids did as comedy and it actually made me laugh out loud on more than one occasion throughout this episode. I really, really like Gavadon's second form. I thought that the design of Gavadon's suit was fairly nice. I mean, again, it's Ultraman, so there's always gonna be some limitations and some quirkiness to it, but I, you know as we saw with Gavadon form A, which was just awful but with the second one, I was kind of on board. Um, you know we got a, a we got a decent amount of action both military and um, you know Kaiju fighting. we actually got some you know a, a decent amount of hand-to hand fighting between Ultraman and Gavadon, as opposed to just being a big old projectile fight which we sometimes get. Um, it was more of a mix this time. we got some hand to hand we got some you know firing. <laughs> um blah 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 um but yeah i mean i don't know i did not hate this episode I, I, am, am i in the minority here what do, you, what do you guys think
3: i actually liked it too it's the, it's the child's play remake of ultraman episodes
0: <laughs> i like it
3: <laughs> you know it, it was fun you, you know even though like you know the first first from fucking gabadon's like what it is? It look. It kind of looks like a fish sperm creature.
0: Yes, <laughs> with no legs. <laughs> oh
3: it, God! You know, it kind of cracked me up when we started laughing like Jack Nicholson's deaf lap in the Batman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
3: it's, uh, it's what I thought about right away. And I'm like, yeah, it was all right, and you know, I like his second form. It's one of the better uh, quadruple creatures we've seen so far.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it looked, I, I especially liked when Ultraman was pulling it by its tail. It looked legitimate. You know, it didn't look as ultra fake as it sometimes does. It literally looked like Avedon was a, you know, a quadruped trying to get away from uh, Ultraman. But obviously he had a hold of his tail, so he couldn't. I, I don't know. I just really liked a lot of the action in this one. I liked the story. Um, It has, you know, it has kind of a whimsical twist to it, but obviously it could have been bad. Obviously, if the kids would have ended up drawing like Godzilla or, or Ghidorah or something, then obviously the city is pretty fucked at that point. But yeah. Ultimately, I like the choices that were made in the episode. None of the kids bothered me. It wasn't like little Hitler from Young, Gar- Young Gary. It definitely, no one rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, the adult characters were all, you know, obviously, most of it was the science patrol people that were already aware of, but any of the other ones that, you know, may have been introduced in this episode um really didn't rub me the wrong way uh i I thought the military scenes looked good you know the toy tanks are obviously always going to look like toy tanks but i just thought uh i thought the editing was a little bit better than average uh for ultraman and yeah i walked away really liking this episode it's not a favorite by any stretch of the imagination but as of right now a 15 episodes in i mean this is this is probably like a a top seven or eight episode for me. Yeah, probably like seven or eight. Yeah, I re- like I said, I really liked it. Uh, anybody else want to chime in?
5: Um, for me, uh, most of my issues with this just come down to, like I said earlier, the lack of storytelling. Because, <laughs> I mean, okay, for me, the finale is really where it kind of unravels. Where if the space rays that have been hitting Earth all this time have been affecting all these drawings, is it to where it has to be overnight to where the rays can turn the creature giant, which is, you know, like how we see Gavadon appearing when he's on the beams. Or is it just as soon as, it, you know, something's like done and then the rays hit it and it turns giant? Because like, that would be like why the science patrol arrives at the thing so worried where, you know, oh my God, we've got to stop the kids from doing this because it's going to be like literally two seconds from now, a giant monster is going to appear. <laughs> like, there's no real, like, determination as for how long the rays have to affect it before it turns. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, like, one of my main things. And then, like, all the explanations for trying to, like, explain yeah. what's going on. Yeah, that's not necessarily all the brightest. But, I mean, you know, in a 25-minute children's weekly TV show, I'm not that bothered by it. It's just, you know, like, a detrimental factor. Sure, yeah, it's not, you know, like I it's not one of my favorites. It's probably right around the middle. I mean, out of the whole franchise, it's probably right around the middle. Yeah. But it's certainly not one of the most intolerable ones. To, you know, for me, I absolutely love the final gag of Gavadon where everybody is standing around you know, cheering it on saying go out and destroy, go out and, you know, like re- like wreck Havoc and all that. And then as soon as he gets up, oh, fuck you
0: guys, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and that's another thing, too. I, I could see how that aspect of Gavadon probably rubbed some people the wrong way. I thought it was comedy gold. I exactly. Mean, it, well, it, I mean, it's a giant monster. I mean, you know how much energy that thing is going to exert rampaging through the city? I, I'm not surprised at all that he wanted to sleep.
5: <laughs> well, you also have the other thing, too, where, you, you know, he either doesn't understand human, he doesn't understand English or, you know, Japanese back then. Sure. Or he understands everything perfectly well and doesn't give a shit. He's just going to nap anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with that explanation because that makes me like Gavadon even more. <laughs> exactly. It's basically I, just I a mean, dick. <laughs> he's like,
4: oh,
5: fuck you, kids. I'm taking a nap.
2: <laughs>
4: oh,
0: man. us?
4: I really don't have much to say. I, I don't like the episode. I find it very dull and boring. Um, I didn't really find it that funny. Um, the only thing I'll say is the first form of uh, Gavadon is like a super cute slice of cheese. It has a mouse-like quality to it. I, I found a picture of a toy they made for her the first form and i want it really really bad because it's the first one uh yes so there is um two toys uh okay so there's a old school toy of gavadon in its second form there is a toy that was made for the the powered figures which was from an Ultraman series that gavadon wasn't in so maybe they he was going to be in it and they canceled it Uh, But that one looks more dinosaur-like. But then there is two toys that are done of the original uh, version. Uh, One slightly bigger that has a more green with a kind of yellowish color. But then the other one's a little bit smaller, and it's the more pale white, and it's super adorable, and I want it. (laughs) I can't find who made it or what it is yet, so that kind of makes me upset. Um, But I will find it because it's adorable. It looks like it's a mixture. It's like if you made a mouse out of cheese, some kind of Aww. weird white French cheese or something.
3: Uh, it's good. You're so silly, Jerry. Uh,
4: I know. Uh, but yeah, I just didn't really care for this episode. I thought it was very. Okay. This episode has a lot of problems when it comes to like scientific explanations oh, sure. of everything going on. But, yeah. you know, like Don said, it's a 25-minute kids' show. Throw it out the window. But the one thing that I cannot excuse is the captain of the science patrol telling them, no, we're not going to use your genius idea of just washing off the drawing because of some weird fair... We're going to give it a fair fighter. We don't clean graffiti. No, that was just too far and it was them trying to take a cheap shot at ito because ito's the comic relief and he's not serious enough and he's too goofy and it just kind of annoyed me and just overall i didn't like this episode this is one of my lowest episodes Yeah, it seems that seems to be the consensus. I mean, online, most people
0: seem to consider this, you know, the the lowest quality episode of the series. But like I said,
4: I found I just found a whimsical quality to it that I it it worked for me. Normally, I would say that if they're online, whatever they're saying is probably wrong. But since I agree with them this time, I'm going to (laughs) say they're right and like i mentioned earlier it's the
0: lowest rated one on imdb and and like i said i can see why i'm not necessarily disagreeing you know with the consensus on the episode i'm just saying it worked for me i enjoyed it i mean i had to watch it like four or five times in a in a two-day span over the last two days and even the last time i watched it which was right before we recorded I, i still enjoyed it like it wasn't I wasn't sick of it yet. I mean, this is one of those episodes that'll I'll definitely chalk up as a guilty pleasure because it's not a very good episode, but it brings me enjoyment. So this will be like a comfort food episode for me. <laughs>
4: yeah. Fair enough. Well, with that being said, um, I think it's time to move on to the next episode, and this and leads us to Derek.
3: And this leads me to my segue. <laughs> Yes. Episode 16, Science Special Search Party into Space, or as it's called on the Mill Creek DVD, Science Patrol in Space. Uh, original air date was uh, October 30th, the day before Halloween. Wow, 1966. And this is the return of space alien, Bolton, fan favorite, Woo! me and Jerry. <laughs> I was yes. so excited when I was like, yes, I got a Bolton episode. Fuck yeah! Fucking, I,
4: I was kind of upset when I found out that I that there was a Balton episode coming up because I knew there, I know there's, I knew there was another episode where we get like a big Balton thing, and so when I saw that I didn't get it, I was like, do I use executive power here to to make <laughs> me get the Balton episode? And then I was like, uh, you know what? Don kind of chose who got everyone's episode. So I think he had a reason for for who got what. So I I was like, you know what? There's probably a reason I got my episode, and I think he was right why I got my episode. So I was like, all right, Derek's got balling.
3: <laughs> is whatever. But uh, let's go into it. Like I said, episode sixteen starts out with a we see a rocket named the Otari preparing to be launched, and there's like some back uh, drop uh, knowledge about the rocket, and we find out that. It's a pilot. It's going to be its inventor, Dr. Morey, who, uh, you know, he's like weird looking like Hitler mustache, dude. When we first meet him and he's getting ready. And, you know, the science patrols there, they're observing the launch because uh, we find out a little later. I'll explain it later. Why? But they're explaining just in case something bad happens, you know, because this rocket might have a few glitches in it. Let's just say that I'll get more into that. Uh, When we get more into a little more backstory things. But, you know, they're waiting for the launch to happen. It's about to launch. And Hayata is in the VTOL uh, waiting to launch with the rocket when it launches in the air. And it launches. And it's about to slow down. It's not about to hit high speed. But it gets its second blast. And it makes it. And Hayata ends up going home. The rocket's in space. And uh, that's when uh, we get introduced to Hoshino, who comes in crying with his little plaid hat. He's like, and everyone's like, Hoshino, why are you crying? You can't be part of the Science Patrol if you're crying, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> you know? They actually call him a crybaby.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and Hayala's like, I know what's wrong. You said that Dr. Iomoto's fucking uh, spacecraft, which is part of the Science Patrol's uh, project, is the Phoenix, hasn't. Wasn't the worst first one.
5: plot drop ever. That <laughs> conversation is so awkward to get the plot going.
3: Worst, it, it,
5: worst it, it, conversation it. change ever.
3: I, I, I thought they were going to start talking about, so do you need to know about the birds and bees, Hoshino? <laughs> yeah, <You know, laughs> it seemed like one of those conversations. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then we were introduced to Dr. Ayamoto, of course, aka Dr. Sarah Zauer, for fans out there. What's the name of the actual actor again? There you go. Thank you, Don. You're always good with that shit. Dude. But, uh, you know, he was Dr. Sarah Ozaro in the original Godzilla, of course. And he, he's appeared in a few Ultraman episodes so far. Uh, and he's talking about the Phoenix. And they're like, why didn't the Phoenix go into space before the Motori? Uh, and he's like, pretty much because he didn't want it to, he wanted it to be ready before he sent his rocket into space. Because. Like I said earlier, the science patrol was there for a reason. Uh, there was a few kinks inside uh, the Atari's uh, malfunction and, and, you know, systems that it might have fucked up if all things didn't go well. That's why they were there, to make sure it didn't happen. And, you know, that goes on. And then we see, uh, back into space now, and we see uh, Dr. Moray, like, unbuckled because he was, like, strapped into, like, the fucking wall of the fucking ship. Which is weird. I'm like, why didn't you just sit down? Why don't they have chairs in a spaceship? <laughs> but then there's like a normal chair with a dinner table. You're like, what the fuck? Why didn't that move?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole inside was very confused. Like, I I can kind of understand being strapped to the wall. But at the same time, just strap yourself to a chair. You don't need to, st- like, stand up. And then, like, he gets into space and apparently they've got a gravity machine because there's no gravity. And he can just walk around as he pleases. I'm like, what? <laughs> did he steal the steel boots from Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> well, it's it's 1966 Japan. They know nothing about space travel
0: at that point.
3: <laughs> True. Yeah, so, you know, he's in orbit going to Venus. Besides do a broadcast of him, like, talking about what's going on, and he has a suitcase full of food, which is weird, too. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> course, I would why... call
4: that weird, but there's something else that happens that's far too distracting.
3: Uh... Yeah,
6: I know exactly what you mean.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then while he's eating, while he's t- on the broadcast, we hear Ito fucking doing, like, fucking weird eating sounds. like Because, a... you know, Ito's always hungry.
4: Uh, he's mimicking the guy eating in the spaceship, yeah. <laughs> he looks like a dumb child that's like high. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't. I I try not to be offensive, and I I mean this in like its original terminology. He looks like a very happy retarded child. <laughs> <laughs> like I I, I I was
6: thinking <laughs> the same thing.
4: Like I mean legit special ed like education Should type thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I like he I, I he's going the grin. I, all it's out the grin. it's uh, to
5: me it's the grin that sells it i was thinking the exact same thing
4: oh. yeah and it's and it's made me actually start thinking um is Ito on like the spectrum like is he possible like and to get kind of serious maybe he has some form of autism or asperger's because he's one of the smartest people in the science patrol Um, because like in, in, in this episode and in the, and in the next episode, we talk about things he's invented and created, but he seems to be slightly sociably awkward. He tends to like, as we saw in the last episode, he gets really excited about like ideas or makes a joke when he shouldn't be making a joke. Like when he made the joke, well, it's sleeping. We can just sleep all day. And everyone's like, dude, shut up. This is serious. Like. He seems to actually makes me wonder if if he's slightly on the spectrum.
3: Which makes sense, because I kind of got that too. Mm-hmm. Especially with the way he looks at people sometimes. It has like that Asperger's sensibility. Because I have Asperger's too, if the listeners didn't know this. And sometimes you look away when people say hi to you. It's like you don't want to talk to them. It's like that sort of aspect of it. Yeah, like, happens.
4: my fiancé's little brother has autism. And, like, there's certain things that he's just, like, exceptionally smart at. And then there's other things he just cannot, like, comprehend. And uh, it, and it just makes me wonder, you know, I'm kind of seeing that a little bit here in Edo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of makes me also go, maybe they shouldn't be such a dick to Edo sometimes. Uh, But this is the 60s, so it's a little different.
3: Yeah, it makes sense right. why he's in the friend zone, too, because that usually happens a lot.
4: He's in the friend zone because Fuji is going to marry me, okay? Let's <laughs> get it out there. Let's be honest, okay? Me and Fuji are a thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: okay. Good luck to both of
4: you.
3: May the force be with you. For real. Uh, but anyways... While wow, this is going on, you know, they start to get a jambled broadcast and they're like, What the hell's going on? And you see like little specters of what's going on and like, you know, little flashes, and you see familiar chest plates and headgear. They're like, Oh, switch to this frequency or the translator that I just invented. And he's like, I didn't use it yet. And they still do it. And then we see the full image and we introduced to dun dun dun, Bolton. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Bolton. I thought Ultraman killed them all. And then, of course, Bolton talks, and he's like, yes, Ultraman did destroy our ship, but not all of of us died, and we're going to still do our journey to get to Earth. (laughs) Why
4: did they screw up his voice in this episode? Like, I felt like the first time we see Bolton his voice was done way better and in this episode I kind of hate his voice.
3: Yeah it's kind of like the well we're going to get into it later with your episode it's kind of like the same kind of voice (laughs) worse Uh,
4: it's not as bad as the voice that's in my episode (laughs) Uh, Uh, no Balton at least gets some kind of respect he doesn't uh, talk out of a silver asshole.
3: I don't know I kind of took it too as the way the translator was communicating his voice it was a different translator too
4: Oh, that's a good point.
3: You know? So it could have been that. But either way, it it didn't really bother me with that aspect of it. But I could understand why it could be kind of annoying. That aspect, too. But it didn't Mm -hmm. really bother me. But, yeah, so pretty much they are set up their plans and shit, and Boltons are going to try to attack Earth still. And this is when we see, of course, also what happens is Fucking we see like this blue globby thing coming out of the space shot and fucking uh, it attaches itself to the ass end of uh, the Atari rocket. And pretty much it, it stops dead ends track and they're like, oh, what's going on? And of course, fucking uh, Dr. Morori is like, I don't know what's going on. You know, everything's fine here. And then he sees like the fuel gauge going down. And all the pressures and shit are getting fucked up. And they're like, oh my god, what's going on? And like, oh no, we gotta see what's going on with the Atari, man. We gotta save it. And fucking, uh, pretty much what ends up happening is, uh, Alien Bolton ends up entering, uh, the Atari and takes possession of Dr. Mori, which is like crazy. Like, he's, the like, went inside of him. He, he became possessed like Bazoozu and shit. I'm like, what the fuck? And, uh, this is a cool scene where they communicate with uh, Dr. Mori before they we're heading into space, you know? Uh, and uh, of course, uh, you know, he's they're talking to him through the video com and uh, he's like, okay, I'll be waiting here. And we see uh, Dr. Mori pull out like this fucking alien Bolton action figure. <laughs>
2: <what I> want. <laughs> uh,
3: and fucking communicate. He's like, our plan is almost set. And, uh, it's pretty funny. And, you know, uh, of course, they also go to Dr. Yamoto uh, to see if they could borrow the Phoenix to go up there. But, of course, Dr. Iomoto's like, uh, I can't let you use it because there's no weapons aboard. And, then of course, it's kind of a true fact. But he did say that he will attach a, a Phoenix rocket onto their uh, VTOL ship, send it into space, and it will be able to travel in space and fast speed. So they do that, and they end up entering space. While that happens, the big globby thing that was attached to the ship ends up being desattached, and it's flying to Earth because pretty much Bolton's plan is, while the science patrol is up in the air, uh, pretty much they're going to go down to Earth and start your attack. And uh, while this is going on, also, I kind of backtracked a little bit. My notes are a little jambled. Sorry about that, guys. We're also introduced to Ito's new weapon, uh, this Mars gun? It's called Mars, right? Am I correct on that? Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was what yeah, that's rings a bell.
3: It's pretty badass. It's kinda of like a giant like the way I would describe it, it's kinda of like Lee Van Cleese like hand rifle and fucking a few dollars more. Where it has a an attachment and pretty much what it does is it's attached to like the windowsill. And fucking uh, it's kinda of weird. Like, what if you pulled the hole, you know? But uh it shoots through. You could shoot through the windowsill. Through it, it's kind of cool, neat in that aspect. And pretty much, uh, while the science patrol's going to outer space, still uh, the Baltans start attacking. And Edo's like, "Holy shit, what's going on?" Because he's in another VTOL ship, and he's like, "Oh my god!" So he starts using his fucking rifle or whatever the fuck it is, and starts blasting them. Bang, bang, bang. And they start to retreat, and yeah, and that happens, and of course, uh, the Vito in outer space with Hayata, the captain, and Hirashi go into orbit, and they end up getting to the Otari, and they pick up the Doctor, everything's alright, and they hear about, like, they have to go back to Earth now, because they hear about the Baltans attacking, and, and then all of a sudden, inside the Vito ship, uh, they're like Doctor Mori, are you okay? And all you hear is ha, 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 ha. and the fucking veal ship are shaking and shit and fucking going crazy and it ends up crash landing on I believe a planet. I'm not sure if it's not it's not Earth. I know that. Yeah, it's
5: planet. It's planet R. It was the area that the Baltans said was where they went after the ship crash land when mm-hmm. the, the they when they got blown up in their first. Conquest. The remaining ones scavenged themselves on Planet R. That was what they said. That, and then they said that was where they were coming from. So that was that was where it ended up. Crash landing was Planet R.
3: Yeah, and fucking pretty much what ends up happening after that is like, they they like wake up like oh god what the fuck just happened where's Doctor Mori and you see him outside he's like chilling like <laughs> all giggling and shit sitting in the corner. I'm like, what the fuck? And, you know, Harashi's like, oh, my God, i gotta go get him. Dr. Mori, what are you doing? And he's like, he does the fucking hand. Like, it's weird. This scene kind of reminded me of West Craven's Deadly Friend, where he's, like, has his hands, like, in the Bolton positions, like fucking Christy Swanson did in Deadly Friend with the robot. <laughs> That's all I thought about when I was watching this. And, you know, he's, like, doing the laugh and fucking paralyzing Harashi, And then he goes behind the mountain. And he becomes fucking giant Bolton. And you know what is like? I'm gonna get my beta capsula and I'm gonna turn to Ultraman, and that brings me to my good buddy Don. Don, what happens next, buddy?
5: Okay, emerging from the VTOL Ultraman <laughs> flies in and fires a specium ray blast, which is deflected back at him from Bolton's chest plate and forces Ultraman to the ground. Laughing at his fallen opponent Boltan uses a dust swarm to stagger Ultraman, who can't stay on his feet. This allows Boltan to leap into the air, where Ultraman seizes the opportunity and uses his Ultra Slice to bisect the creature in two pieces.
0: <laughs> Pretty red. I love that. I absolutely love that he bisected Bolton.
4: <laughs> yeah, that felt like some Gamera shit. That's some shit you wouldn't see in Godzilla, but you would see that in a gamma movie.
3: Yeah, man, it was pretty rad. Fucking, uh... Yeah, after that, of course, you know, Hyatt is still Ultraman at this point. And pretty much what Ultraman does after this is he ends up teleporting back to Earth in this weird fashion where he actually loses most of his strength, and all the Boltons, I guess, become one Bolton at this point. It wasn't... That scene was kind of weird, because it seemed like it all became one. Is that what happened?
5: So what happened is that because Ultraman was fighting Baltan, they ended up using the time to radio back in to find out what's going on back on Earth. Uh-huh. And Fuji relays that, you know, Baltans are, you know, Baltans are here by the thousands. But then, you know, as soon as the, she says that, they conglomerate back into the main Baltan.
3: Oh, okay, yeah, uh, Okay. I was making sure cuz it's was kind of weird. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, he tries to use his, like, uh, you know, that slicing thing again. Didn't work because he has, like, this fucking shield blocking him. And, you know, and then he uses his Spaceman Ray. Right? There's uh, a few, like, hand-to-hand fighting with Bolton, too, in this episode. And he's using, like, that Sonic Boom thing again and fucking... Then what ends up happening is we still see the same fucking shot where uh, he does the same thing again where he's doing, like, that slice thing and it slices him in half and he blasts both halves. The fucking make sure the fucking deal is done, and Balton is destroyed. And pretty much, Ultraman flies away, and then we clear back to Planet R, where Hayata is still passed out. They're like, "Oh my God, I don't think he's alive. He seems like he's soulless. Uh, he's okay. He starts, for his still breathing, you know." And then, you know, this is when, uh, this is when the rescue team comes. The Phoenix rocket comes in, which is a weird fucking looking rocket, I got to say. I'm like, damn, Ayamata, what the fuck, you know? And, you know, Dr. Aymara's piling in. And the rescue team's there, and that's when they're going back to Earth. And that's how the episode pretty much ends. So, yeah, this is a fucking action-packed episode, in my opinion. I fucking enjoyed the fuck out of it. Some goofy shit here and there, but Dalton's the Joker of the Ultraman fucking villains and it's pretty awesome to see Bolton again. And you know, his design was it was kind of bulkier than this one too. He, like in his head area.
4: Yeah, officially this is uh Bolton two. Uh <laughs> we'll also get another design that's slightly different with Bolton three. Mm-hmm. Um but they actually do a lot of times in Ultraman when a monster does come back, a lot of times it does get uh like a two or three added to it depending on which time it's coming back. Uh, So this is officially Baltimore 2, and I like the design. The design looks good. It it is a little bit bulkier, a little bit more menacing. Um, And I agree, this episode is fantastic. I I love the story. I love the action we get in it. Uh, Holy shit, Ultraman can teleport. So there's that. Um, (laughs) Also, we... (laughs) Yeah, also we find out that when Hayata turns into Ultraman, his body basically stays in a coma-like state, which I thought his body completely disappeared as he became Ultraman, and now we're seeing it as he's in a coma state, which makes me want to go back and rewatch a few episodes, because I feel like there's some times where his body probably would have gotten destroyed.
5: Yeah, um, especially in the first episode because he was inside that ship. Because that was because that was because he comes out of the sub to face Bem- Bemular, and they pretty much trample around that area. So I feel that that he would have gotten crushed in there. Yeah. And then there is um, episode ten, I think, where we see Ultraman like shooting his essence out onto the cliff where Hayata stands at the end. Yeah. So. He- yeah, this I completely find the ending to this one like contradicts everything.
0: Yeah, and on top of on top of everything, most recently we just talked about the last episode. Hayata turned into Ultraman underwater. Remember, it was only his arm that came up from the surface of the water with the beta capsule in his hand. So if yeah. he goes into a coma state, that
4: means he drowned. <laughs> I'm <Right>. pretty. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of like, wait a second, hold um, up, um, what?
3: Yeah, we don't really know the powers of Ultraman, too, because he, he may be, like, it depends on the situation. He could store high-hot air inside of him. I don't know, because Ultraman's weird anyways, with that, all that shit. Because who knew he could fucking teleport until this episode, you know? Yeah, Jesus. I was actually
0: starting to get a little upset. I don't like when they... Uh... I understand that it's still early in the series and potentially Ultraman has powers that we've never seen before, but teleporting seems like something he could have used multiple times before. So, to, to spring that on us on episode 15 without explaining it to us, like that it's a new technology or maybe something that, you know, he created, but yeah, just to, to out of nowhere suddenly teleport, uh, it's the same thing as R2 D2 suddenly flying in the, in, you know, the Star Wars prequels. It just didn't make sense. Yeah.
2: You
4: know? Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, but yeah, so there, there, It was cool to see that kind of stuff, but I'm just like, uh, okay, I understand. At least with him teleporting, I can at least say, okay, yeah, that's fair. He's probably still got a couple of tricks up his sleeves we haven't seen. And at least they're like, oh, if he teleports, it takes up a lot of his energy. So that's cool also. But his body staying in a coma-like state makes me either go either, A, this is sloppy riding, or B, Ultraman has the power to leave Hayata's body or teleported or transported out of the way depending on its needs because in this one you know if you would have teleported the body would have left they would have known that hayata Hi- was ultraman
3: true yeah i could have been yeah. a factor in too i agree so, with that
4: i'm kind of like hmm, hmm i it's don't a, know
3: it's a rock and a hard place i know
4: yeah it it really makes you
5: wonder like if I mean I don't know cuz we know the director I don't know who actually wrote this one and who wrote the er- the earlier ones so maybe it was just a different writer employing something and nobody like caught on about it when it was put into final like whether this was just an idea that the writer had and then it wasn't like canon into the show by that point so nobody caught it or cuz I mean like Could I said cuz I mean I know that we've talked about the various directors a few times but I don't know if we've ever talked about the writers and where the idea came up with. I mean, we I'd probably have to ask August about that and figure out what happens.
4: Yeah, you would need someone who like him who would know because there's not enough information out there for us. And like, I can tell you who wrote the screenplay, but yeah. I, to find out his thoughts on what he did or even to find out how many ones he wrote, I don't know if I'd be able to find that. Yeah, Because most of the stuff for Ultraman... Is in Japanese, and if you don't read Japanese, you're not going to know. Yeah. So. Hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, did you, what did you think of the overall episode besides that, guys? Uh, so, are you done?
5: Yeah, um, some of the little things there is a little abrupt, and then, of course, there's a uh, little spoiler at the end for with um, Hoshino that uh, irks me a little bit because that talks something about that I'm going to mention in a few minutes.
3: Yeah. What are you talking about?
5: Yeah. Other than that, uh, this is probably one of my favorites. Um, this is maybe bordering on the top ten. I would have to figure out a couple of the others, like in the twenties and thirties, that I have fond memories of, to see where it stands officially. But uh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, you know, full vertical bisection, and it's done twice. <laughs> Case closed.
3: There you
0: go, Venom. Yeah. Yeah, man. I absolutely love this episode this was great potentially my favorite episode of the first 15 or 16 now so far um had a great time loved all the boltons uh loved the new design uh i loved all the little miniature boltons flying around i loved how an alien creature was flying in patterns that birds on earth do but somehow you know that's what they did so hey that's fine you know I'll, i'll allow it but, um, yeah, just the just the collectability factor of this episode with all those little little like four inch boltons. it's like, oh, I want an army of those on my desk right now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, totally love this episode. Um, can't say enough good things about it. Wasn't poured once. Didn't check my phone once. I was riveted the whole time. And uh yeah, very happy to see Bolton come back after episode two because that was probably my favorite episode up until now. But yeah, this was easily the aliens of episode two's alien. You know, we had the one Bolton in episode two, and now we had an army of them, and it just ramped up the action just beautifully. So yeah, great episode. A plus.
3: Yeah, I hear you there, man. It was hard it was kind of hard taking notes on this one because I was like you know, like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I'm going to miss this. <laughs> but I hear you. Jerry? Uh, I kind of already gave my thoughts
4: uh, earlier that yeah. I absolutely love this and I love Balton. Um, it, it's definitely two thumbs up for me. It's it's one of the, the best episodes. There, there's a couple of weird things that we talked about that I, I had already brought up. But... Um, other than that, yeah, this was a really, really fun episode. I, I welcome Balton back anytime. time.
3: Uh, yeah, like I said, I I dig it too. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention, I wanted to mention it. Like when they're on Planet R, I got some like Goki, uh Body Snatcher from Hell fucking vibes from that Planet scenes. So Those was pretty. Did you guys ever yeah, see that movie? Yeah,
4: yeah, I can I can agree there.
3: Yeah, it kind of had some vibes there, and I kind of dug that because I'm a big fan of that movie. It's so weird and bizarre. <laughs> uh, that would be a great Halloween episode if we ever do a Halloween episode sometime. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that was my episode, and that's the end of episode sixteen. And I'm glad you all guys all dug this one. Oh yeah. All right, that
4: leads us to Dawn for the next episode. All right,
5: so my episode is episode seventeen. This is Passport to Infinity, originally aired November 6, 1966, so just a few days ago from the time of this recording. A strange blue rock is discovered which snaps to life and floats into space. It starts spinning spinning around violently, taking it and a scientist into another dimension. With a week having passed, the science patrol is tasked into looking into the disappearance of the missing scientist. On her comp quarter, Fuji receives a report that the London branch has a meteorite that landed near their headquarters. The missing scientist... The, she also learns that the missing scientist only returned to his lab the day before. So they suspect someone who knew what was going on about the rock is behind the disappearances. Arashi theorizes that they need to visit the assistant to learn more. So he and, Arashi, he and Ito meet the assistant and inquire about the strange rock they were studying... When an earthquake strikes during the meeting, running outside, they spot the missing scientist laying on the ground next to the rock. When the rock floats away, floats up and flies away, Ito gathers, Ito learns that his friend might also be in danger due to having another rock as well. So Arashi flies to meet the scientist where he presents him with the red rock. Realizing the powers that the strange rocks hold, Hirashi suggests taking it to the science patrol for investigation. Meanwhile, miles away, the the blue rock is found in the middle of the road by another scientist and taken back to them to their headquarters. Hmm. They start investigating by throwing lasers at the rock, where it springs to life and begins to distort the universe around the lab. When an assistant rushes in to check on the situation, he finds the rock has warped space and time into an alternate dimension. The science patrol is alerted to the situation and called in, forcing Ito and Arashi to look after the Red Rock with Fuji. Hoshino wants to tag along after hearing the conversation and heads off after them, much to Fuji's protests. Meanwhile, Captain Mura and Hayata arrive at the lab, where they find everything is completely normal with no signs of dimensional foul play. However, the blue rock springs to life and floats up, sending the assistants screaming out of the room. <laughs> where, after exiting the room, he suddenly finds himself transported outside the building onto the front lawn. Mira and Hayata manage to take the rock away when they take the rock away, and they try to radio headquarters about what's going on, but can't raise them. So they decide to leave, but find out the rock won't leave as the formerly trapped doctor appears in the next lab beside them. Back outside, Arashi and Ito find the blue rock on the ground outside the lab and notice everyone else coming out of the building, staggering, holding themselves, and in, in general disarray. While visiting with the missing doctor, the group learns how dangerous they are when being combined together. With the rocks merging against the science patrol's knowledge, they continue, learning, they continue learning about the Rays and their mysterious ability to bend space and time at their will, and what would happen if they ever merged together to form into a gigantic monster. Fuji decides that Hoshino needs to stay away from this, despite his continuous protests, and leads him out of the building. But when he tries to run back inside, they spot Boltan creeping over the top of the Science Patrol building. With the rest of the group still inside a strange dimensional, Fuji and Hoshino are outside when Hayata arrives and takes them away to safety. Boltan keeps growing, and he becomes almost as big as the Science Patrol building itself. So he's now turned into a multifaceted... Um, I don't, I remember these toys. Um, they were kind of like the these Bouncing balls that had like pegs. squares. No, they had like pegs on the side, and you would bounce them all over the place, and they'd make like a beeping sound.
4: Yeah. I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what you're talking about.
0: Yeah,
5: I know. I can, I, I'm trying to remember, and I, I know, I know, I had one as a kid, but I can never remember what the hell those damn names are. Uh, it kind of looks like a sea coral kind of a thing.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, let's be honest. We all know what this thing is. This thing is a United States of America uh, misshapen heart organ. Uh
0: My notes I actually put down, it looks like a barnacle. I've seen barnacles that look exactly like that, where it's got the little peg things coming out of it, and they're hollow. It literally looks like a barnacle to me. So, yeah.
5: Yeah. So, anyways, this... The creature that they call Bolton is flying, is standing around outside where everybody is gathered, forcing them to call in the military. So tanks arrive on the scene and begin firing at it, causing it to fire a strange energy ray that destroys several tanks. The remaining tanks fire away, but Bolton continues zapping them with an energy ray, taking the ground out beneath the vehicles, who sink out of sight. When they disappear. The ground reforms as normal and allows Bolton to travel away from the science patrol to another area nearby. That leaves a jet squadron to come in and they try bombing Bolton, who zaps them with another way another energy ray and transports them out of the sky. Suddenly, those jets are now on the ground zooming across the zooming across the ground where they end up crashing and exploding. In their place, the tank squadron from earlier suddenly appears traveling through the sky. (laughs) Another energy blast, and the tanks explode, crashing to the ground below. Having seen enough, Hayata leaves his vantage point and wields the beta capsule, turning into Ultraman. So, with that, take it away, Boo-Boo.
3: Yes, uh, yes, I'm doing the Ultraman fight-by-fight correspondence this time, so here we go. This one's going to be a doozy. <laughs> Ultraman flies into battle and lands in front of Bolton. Bolton uses his twin egg beaters to freeze Ultraman in place in a Van Dam jump kick pose. He then pulls out his Salt Shaker shotgun and shoots Ultraman, which makes him do spin aerobics, probably trying to make him vomit. <laughs> he then pulls out an autograph Moby Dick harpoon signed by Gregory Peck. And he uses that, and Ultraman uh, falls down. The Egg Beaters take the ground away from Ultraman, and he falls in a hole. Ultraman <laughs> shoots his way out and does his own spin to destroy Bolton's effects and blasts him twice. What ends up happening after that is, Bolton becomes a very small version of himself after that, and then Ultraman picks him up stone cold, and crushes him like Fred to Hammer Williamson, oh yeah. R.I.P. Bolton.
5: Alright, so with <laughs> Bolton defeated, Fuji finds Hayata unconscious on the ground below. Getting his senses back, he realizes that Hoshino is the one responsible for the save, and asks him what he wants best, what he wants most in life as a form of thank you. So they decide to promote him into an actual member of the Science Patrol. End
0: episode.
3: Trial credits. <laughs> I, right. didn't
0: realize, I didn't realize that he was actually becoming an official member until the next episode. I thought they were just doing like an honorary thing. Who the hell? Who the hell has a twelve-year-old joined the Science Patrol?
3: It's weird. Uh, they're trying to compete with Johnny Sacco. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought it was like a make a wish type thing going on, but uh, I thought
3: no. they would just, I thought they were just humor. Like, okay. That's what
5: was, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, It sound. I mean, the dub made it sound like he's actual member, but
4: so Don, do you want to point out the issue with last episode into this episode?
5: Yeah, so um, like I mentioned at the end of the episode when we were talking about me uh, the ending of the episode in episode 16 shows Hoshino in full science patrol garb. So he's got the yellow jumpsuit, the tie, the comb, the helmet, everything. Despite the fact that uh, he gets insert he get he's joined in the ranks in episode 6 in episode 17, which is right now.
1: Yeah, so, so
4: it's actually there, there is a reason for this because even though last episode was episode 16, it was the 17th episode made during production. And this episode, even it, though it's episode 17, it was the 16th episode to be made during production.
5: Yeah, so they they were uh, flipped.
4: Yeah. Because um, really? we actually will kind of see that happen uh, a lot during this. Because uh, I want to say like... Um,
5: yeah, I think a lot of... A lot of the 20s, they flip the produ- they flip the production and airing order around. Because I know that there's a couple in the 20s where they were filmed first but aired after.
4: Yeah. Uh, like, I know uh, Terrifying Cosmic rays. even though it's episode 15, it was, like, literally, like, episode 14 in production. Right, yeah. Uh, same thing with my episode. Uh, my episode, despite being the 18th one, is actually the 19th one that was made during in production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it's just it's very strange. I don't know why they switch them, uh, and normally it's probably not an issue, but it was an issue in this one because episode before this one should have been after because Hoshina is not in the, the science patrol yet. Yeah.
5: So, like I said, it's just a minor, minor annoyance. I mean, like the tiniest of annoyances in episode sixteen, but. Um, Yeah, overall, I think this is one of the best episodes of the franchise. Uh, Spoiler alert, this is in my top five. I absolutely adore the fuck out of this episode. I mean, it is just absolute batshit crazy because everybody's flying in and out of dimensions. You get absolutely no context of what the hell's going on. It's just... Rapid fire all over the place. You get enough physical comedy with Oshino, with Ito, uh, um, when he's flying up the stairway to heaven, and then he realizes, holy shit, what's going on? And then he swan dives off and lands inside the building where he's head first inside of a bucket. <laughs> I mean, it it's. I think the comedy is funny. I love the special effects. To think that there's actually a person inside that bolt hand suit.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah, Uh, it is one of my favorite episodes. This is just fast-paced action, and I just love it. The only thing keeping it down for me is, I think, the fight's a little weak. Because, I mean, Bolton honestly can't do anything. It just, you know, like Derek said, just throws egg spinners and harpoons at him. And Ultraman just, like, does weird shit because he's being, like, warped around space and time. But other than that, this is probably in my top five favorite episodes, so... What did uh, you guys think? What you well, uh, started off with you, uh, Herring.
4: Uh, this is a fun episode. It's, it's, it's more that this episode is more interesting. This is an episode where even though there's a lot of shit going on that you don't understand and they give no explanation for, kind of like the same in uh, the terrifying Cosmic Race, you don't really care because it's so interesting and fun that you're willing to give all that up. Um, And Hoshino is on point in this episode. That kid literally goes and does research by talking to um, Sir Yesterday, which, by the way, fantastic name. Uh, Love it. Uh, Great name for an explorer. Um, And I'm glad to see some white people up in this bitch. Uh, Thank you. Uh, But Hoshino goes finds out information comes and is trying to inform Fuji um uh, and Fuji instead of doing her job by checking on the thing literally pushes him out of the building and that's and and then he's trying to explain her outside of the building and literally has to like yank her and turn her around to get her to see this giant fucking uh, monster there. Like she, it, Hoshino is just on point in this episode. He absolutely deserved to be, become part of the science patrol. I'm all for him in this episode. Uh, plus anything to get him to stop wearing those stupid fucking hats. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, I love the red, white and blue, uh, Oregon heart thingy. Uh, very America. I like all the antennas coming out and, and, Just using all kind of weird abilities to change things. Um, It's just a very interesting episode, and I had a lot of fun. So definitely high up there. All
5: right, uh, boo
4: boo.
3: Yeah, I I dig this episode too. It's very Lovecraftian in that sense, with like all the dimensional shit going on, and plus just the way that you know the the meteorites kind of remind me of like something like the color out of space or something like that with that aspect. And I dig that. You know, like when Bolton's in his full form, you can see, like, which half was the red meteor and which half was the blue meteor, which is pretty fucking rad that they added that detail to color to it. And, you know, it was a cool, like, cosmic sci-fi fucking battle and shit, you know. it's yeah, Like I said, I kind of exaggerated with some of the shit in my fucking fight-by-fight fight to make it a little bit more entertaining because it is pretty much basic, the fight. Because, you know, he can't really do anything. But, you know, it was kind of cool in that aspect, too. Because it was Ultraman trying to use something else that he couldn't just use, like, Brawn and Steel in this fight, too. Which I kind of dug to make him win in the end. So, yeah, I dug it. Thumbs up for me.
6: And uh, Venom.
0: Well, gentlemen, I'm very sorry to be the voice of dissension, but i got to be true to myself. I I hated this episode. I didn't enjoy any aspect of it, I thought. Bolton was just not a compelling villain. Um, I thought the fight was dull um, as hell. I Sir yesterday, I'm sorry, Jerry. I, I hate that name. I I hate that name with a passion. Like I I, I literally if I could punch a, a television and actually hit the actor, I would have done it in this instance. I I just, I I could not get over that name. I know they're going for comedy. They're going for some kind of hokiness. And, you know, I I understand it's 1966. So, again, I'm trying to curb my expectations. But after, especially after following episode 16, which I've already said is probably my favorite up to now, I was not digging this. I was not liking the barnacle-looking kaiju um, and then the quivering, lifeless, you know, look that he had at the end. I like that, he, you know, again, I, I did like the action sequences as far as like the military attacking him and how he was, um, you know, the whole thing with switching the tanks and the planes. And, you know, I thought that was kind of clever. But the whole time I'm watching this episode I'm like, this is a kids show. If I don't understand what the hell is going on, how are kids understanding it? Or are kids just looking at this at face value and it's just, oh, look at the pretty colors. Oh, there's Ultraman. Yay, he won. Good episode. Um, I just, yeah. I'm sorry, guys, but I I guess I'm just not seeing what you saw. Or I'm seeing it in a different way. Like, all the reasons that you guys are stating why you liked it, it's frantic pace. It's nonsensical scenes um even the interaction there with um Fuji and the kid again I just I wanted to like this episode so much after coming off that uh the last episode with Bolton that I just I, I couldn't get around it I don't know um this was definitely a first time watch for me um, I just watched it today. Maybe it will grow on me. But like I said, I just found it so dull and uncompelling. And the, confuse, the confusion factor of it just made me more bored. Because this is Ultraman. I'm supposed to be able to turn my brain off and just enjoy a good kaiju television series. But this episode made me think. And I don't really want Ultraman to make me think. You know, I, I'm not... I usually... You know, people who listen to me on my horror podcast know that I usually like a good cerebral artistic horror film. But in this case, it's Ultraman. I'm expecting just, you know, silly action. And, you know, but I I don't know. Like I said, I'm finding it difficult to really put into words why I hated this episode. But it seems like everything that you guys loved about it, I hated. So. If I'm in the minority, sorry, Um, but yeah, I I just couldn't get around it. I'm not going to say it's my least favorite episode, but it's pretty close.
4: You hate Sir Yesterday. That sucks because I was going to say for uh, the next episode of Colts Unknown, I'm going to start going by Sir Yesterday, and you're going to go Sir Tomorrow. No,
2: no. (laughs) We're going to become explorers
4: of the Pine Barrens. Oh God
0: maybe, like I said obviously maybe if I saw this when it was new I would have a different opinion of it instead of looking at it from my 2019 eyes but I don't know I just couldn't get behind it like the whole time it's... I rewound it multiple <clears throat> times too because I like I said I like like you've all said there are some nonsensical scenes in here that probably aren't meant to make sense and and that's fine but like i said it just didn't work for me when i have to rewind a scene three times and i still don't really know what's going on and this is supposed to be a kid show it just loses me that's all it just felt a little bit too transcendental for Ultraman. so there Mm. (laughs) sorry yeah
5: well no this was actually one of the ones that it took me a while to do and i actually found out that i started liking it more when I would watch it watch it like with the rest of the series like when I would just binge the disc mm-hmm. that was really when I started liking it more so it wasn't when I was one off watching it like okay well I've got like half an hour to fill let's watch an Ultraman yeah, like sure. that, that wasn't how I actually grew to like it because it wasn't it was okay I mean I liked it because I always liked all the like the weird trippy shit and like the big action scenes but I mean I was kind of like what the hell is going on? Yeah. So I was like you when I first saw it, but then when I watched, like, when I, I actually like got over that when I watched it, when I would binge the disc rather than watching like one or two at a time. So I can probably see that maybe raising. I mean, I could still I mean, see I some fully... of these issues hold. Sure, yeah, sure. I can still see some of these issues holding it back and maybe you'll probably like it a little bit more either, you know, with exp- with experience or exposure and then like, you know, binging it rather than just watching it once.
0: Right. And I totally pl- I do plan before we finish the series, like when we're right around episode 38, 39, 40, I do plan on binging the entire thing because I'm sure once we actually do episode 40 We'll probably talk about our favorite episodes, our least favorite episodes, favorite Kaiju villains, things like that. Yeah. So I fully plan on binging this, you know, once we're at the end of the series. So I you know, i, I will I will keep my mind open. Like I said, I don't hate the episode. Yeah. I just really disliked it. it. It just didn't do a lot for me. But maybe under the context of watching it, as a full series rather than just watching one episode a month or in this case, four episodes. Yeah, um, because maybe it'll speak to me more.
5: Because for me, what I found out was, especially watching it in context between the episodes before and the episodes after, it, it started out more as like a departure from the formula while still adhering close enough to it that it fit within the, the universe of the show. Mm-hmm. that was really where it like kind of drew me in where you know okay it's not just you know monster shows up you know investigation scene you know, attack failure study it some more attack a weak spot and then you know ultraman finishes the job like that was sort of how like i found like the formula to have evolved in the beginning and then this is just like a slightly different it's just it's you know just a slight change, but it still like fits within the universe. So that was really when I started noticing it more.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So cool. maybe that'll work for you. I mean yeah, I don't know. Like- I'm just I, I'm I'm just saying like that's how it worked for me where I grew into it more, watching the watching the show more times and then binging it in, with the disc rather than just watching it like sing like as a singular episode. So.
0: No, no. Like I said, I'll I'll definitely keep my mind open uh, when I rewatch it, and you know maybe I'll see something on the second and third watch that I didn't see this time. But yeah, Uh, you know I am where I am right now. Hopefully, hopefully no one hates me after this. That's right. (laughs) I mean, I know Jerry already hated me, but that's different.
4: Well, yeah, now even more because you said you hate Sir yesterday. Fuck Sir. (laughs) I was about to go legally change my name.
3: Oh God. Oh yeah. Well, I'll be Sir tomorrow with you, Jerry
4: there we go all right guys we are moving on to uh episode 18 the brother from another planet <laughs> uh oh my god
3: it's, it's, just, it's just funny it's just funny because that's actually a name of a uh, john sales movie too
2: <laughs>
4: oh yeah i know what you're talking about yep uh Air date November 13th, 1966. Directed by Samaji Nagase. I don't know how to say your name. Samaji Nagase? Samaji Nagase. Okay, I'll let you say that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, one night, a mysterious cloud of fog settles over Tokyo, causing the people, uh, to gag and cough. You know, because it's fucking poison. <laughs> uh,. As the science patrol is informed, uh, we have the captain giving everyone orders to go investigate, but uh, Hoshina, he gets pulled aside. He's forced to stay. He does not get to go on his official first tour of duty uh, on the science patrol. Uh, He's got to help Fuji, which is my job.
3: Are they brother and sister?
4: Yes, they are. Um... But the uh, but this is because the fog is confirmed to be radioactive, too dangerous to go there. So while investigating Tokyo, Arashi and Ito encounter a hooded, uh, hooded figure, and while they try to tell the guy that hey, this shit's dangerous, uh, the guy just kind of takes off. And while they try to tackle him, because they realize it's an alien, uh, he disappears and shows up spider crawling on a wall. Or not spider crawling. He was crawling like uh, Reagan craw- and the Exorcist down the stairs. Yeah, the crab walk. Yeah, crab walk on a wall. Very interesting uh choice there, buddy. <laughs> um This is Alien Zarab, who uh kind of knocks out Arashi uh, and Ito and for a moment and then communicates to everyone at Space Patrol using the uh, quote-unquote uh, computer brain uh, that Ito has created to uh, be able to translate space languages, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a broad statement there, Edo. You, um, didn't, you didn't mention earlier how
0: the Science Patrol has a tendency to shoot first and ask, ask questions later. That's that scene where Ito shoots um, Zarab off the building. I mean, that was completely unprovoked. He, he just decided, him. "I'm gonna shoot him." Or he, I, I'm not sure if it was Ito, but whoever it was,
3: it was a and he shot him right in the fucking dick.
0: Right, right. He shot him right in the crotch. But like instantly, I'm like, "Why are you shooting this guy? The, 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 all he did was run away from you." And and start climbing a building. I mean, that's like that's like LA police mentality. Oh, you're running away from me. You obviously did something wrong, so I'm gonna shoot you. To, to it it fair, just
3: to, struck me as odd. <laughs> to be fair, if I saw something and was crawling in the wall that had an asshole for a mouth, I would shoot it too.
4: Uh, also, let's talk about Arashi being the most gun crazy in the entire series. He always just grabs a gun and starts blasting. Uh, but the captain does kind of talk shit to him for this, and he's like. Why did you shoot? But the alien's like, look, I don't blame him. He, you know, looks kind of suspicious, but I am your friend. I am your brother. Uh, I'm here to help the earth. Uh, I'm all about peace, homie. Um, so, during all this shit, uh, Hayata uh, is, is up in space trying to find more information about the fog. Uh, when he discovers that there's a rocket up there that was supposed to have been sent. To go explore Saturn, I think it was sent away like a month ago, um, and now it's it's back for some reason. Uh, so he goes to look at that, um, but then we jump back to aliens. Zarab. just walking up into the science patrol's house, just showing up. Like, what's up, guys? I'm here. I'm an alien, and I'm in your house.
3: No, it's more like. <laughs>
4: uh that's true and here's the thing about okay aliens rob's voice is absolutely horrible and i'm like ito you should have done a better job uh in the japanese version he has a regular voice which would make sense if he's using a translation program uh, made by Japanese people. But I guess for this one, they wanted to make it sound more robotic because it's a computer translating it, which does make sense. But it's coming out of a silver starfish mouth and it's not, it's not good. It's just the
0: whole time it sounded to me like he was inside of a empty giant room or like a cave or something. It just made no sense that that was the audio coming out of his
3: mouth. You know what it reminded it, me of? Like a, What's up? Did you did you guys ever see Tales of the Quad Dead Zone? The shot no, but film? I know it's an ev- uh, extremely the... expensive VHS tape. I have it on DVD. Fucking, uh, pretty much. Uh, there's this segment with a clown that talks, and you he... talk.
2: I'm
3: like, holy fuck. So zone.
4: basically, you're saying that all this sounds like Bobcat Goldwaith on acid using a speaking spell. If he, was going, if he was going,
3: ask the mouth, yes.
4: Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, Alien Zarab is uh, pretty much uh, getting rejected here. Everyone's kind of acting pretty hostile towards him. But they strike a deal that if uh, Zarab will rid Tokyo of this deadly fog, um, then they will give him a chance. So, uh, Zorab does this, um, but while he's doing this, uh, they, you know, Hayat is kind of like, I don't know if I trust him. Uh, oh wait, no, that's not yet, is there? No, he gets rid of the fog, he comes back, um, to spend the night at the H- at the HQ. Um, so Ito shows him his room, and he kind of, uh, takes control over Ito. And, um, he rapes Then him. they, uh, well, he does not rape him. Um, <laughs> that is not no. what happens. Uh, though the next day, uh, while everyone besides the alien Zorab and Ito are at a conference, uh, Zorab disguises himself as Fuji and makes some f- drugged up tea, uh, gives it to Hirashi and Hirashi passes out. And then he uses the hypnotized Ito to open his communicator so that he can hear the defense force meeting that's going on about the alien about him. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, this alien's pretty fucking smart. Um, and it's important that we see that he can, uh, disguise himself and change himself into other things with him, uh, looking like Fuji here. Um, of course, Hi- Hayata notices that, uh, you know, Edo's kind of looking kind of dazed, kind of looking kind of dumb. And that even after being told to, yo, turn your communicator off, he turns it right back on. Uh, so they find out about Ito's hypnotism and uh, they use electric shock to bring him back. <laughs> they were all so easy to allow it too. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Fuck it. What's the worst that could happen to him? You know? He's not it's not like he's the genius who, you know, built a gun the last episode that has one or two episodes ago that has one hundred percent accuracy. Or, you know, the guy who created uh the thing that can translate space language into human language, but then again it does have that offer filter on it that makes it sound like shit. So fuck it. Give him brain damage. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Um but uh, aliens Rob shows back up, uh, and he's got a portable translate. Okay, so at the meeting, they're kind of like, I, does anyone give a shit what happens at this meeting? Because I was watching it the whole time. Like, <laughs> y'all are just arguing about like sh- possibilities, but y'all y'all know nothing right now.
3: It's pretty the most boring as part of this episode.
4: Yeah, yeah. So they. And it's so funny, so when you, we go back to the headquarters, I believe we see Arashi telling two government agents from another science committee that uh, we're not giving you the alien. And they're like, nope, we had we had permission. They said so at the meeting. Uh, but then the captain shows up and goes, uh, bullshit, y'all do not have permission. I vetoed that. Oh, fuck, I burped. We're not agreeing to that. And, plus, we're the only people that have the ability to understand, quote-unquote, space language. Um, and they're like, no, we've got that too. And they're like, and once again, Captain's like, I'm gonna call you out on your bullshit. You don't. You sloppy bitch, and you don't got it. But, Aliens Rob shows up, and he's like, I've got my own portable translator similar to yours. Um, mine's just portable. (laughs) Uh... So in the Japanese version, it's kind of cool because he talks about how it has a nuclear generator in it. Damn. Uh, and the reason it blows up the old one, the their, their big one on the wall, they give an explanation that it's like when you walk with a phone under a power line and uh, it distorts the call. The same thing has happened here. hmm I see. Yeah, and the Japanese version of this one... They get into way way more details on everything. Like they give you the specific name of the radiation in the earlier on the episode. It's it's really, really different. Um it's just way more specific. Like this is an episode that obviously they took very, very serious. I can see. <laughs> okay, so the aliens like uh yeah, I'm going, uh, and there's nothing you can do. Uh so the alien leaves, but they decide to follow him. Um, it looks like uh, Arashi and Fuji are watching him as he goes on top of a building and flies up which they then go uh, Hayata to go up and fly also Hayata jumps into his big metal thing that shoots fire that allows him to fly in space I guess as he uh, goes over to this uh, Saturn rocket Uh, and sees that the alien Zarab is controlling the astronauts from the rocket using hypnotism. Uh, Hayata turns back, goes into his ship to warn the science patrol, only to be confronted by alien Zarab, who not only reveals that he knows Hayata's secret identity as Ultraman, but also that his true intentions are to take over the Earth by brainwashing the people of Earth, too. But in order to do so, he must eliminate the science patrol... And he has to get rid of Ultraman, A.K.A. you bitch ass face Hayata. Uh, <laughs> so he paralyzes him with a painful screeching sound. Um, the one thing I don't like about the Ultraman series is they do a lot of weird sounds that do not that are not pleasant to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So then, Alien Zorob, uh disappears using his teleportation. We go to later that night and the science patrol and the defense force are informed that Ultraman has been sighted and he is fucking going on a rampage. He's destroying shit. What the hell is going on here? Uh, Alias Rob attempts to convince members of the staff that the science patrol is to blame as he believes there is a conspiracy. That's right. Put on your fucking tinfoil hats. We got some conspiracy that Ultraman is trying to take over the planet <laughs> and the science patrol are helping him do it. Uh, but of course, uh, no one really believes this, but the aliens rob's like, oh, you don't believe me? Tell the science patrol to attack Ultraman. Bet they won't do it. Well, guess what? <laughs> they actually decide that they need to go uh fight him, but here we go to an imprisoned Hayata uh being saved by da, Hoshino. <laughs> Uh, very very dope Um, we also get a better look at this uh, fake Ultraman Uh, very cool design Uh, you can see there's like small things like his chin instead of being more square is pointed Uh, the fin on top of his head is more pointed his eyes are more pointed they're a darker yellow Uh, very very fucking great design on evil Ultraman Mm -hmm. or fake Ultraman uh, Ultraman Sharpie Whatever you want to call him. So uh, Hoshino is able to uh, save um, Hayata, but there's one... I thought that the alien took the beta capsule away from him, but somehow he has it back now, and I don't Uh, know if it was Hoshino brought... Yeah, Hoshino brought it with him, but how did Hoshino have it when... Did the alien not take it earlier? Because here's the thing, the alien literally was like, I know you have to use the beta capsule. Why wouldn't he take the beta capsule then if he knows he has to use it? But uh He would have had the beta capsule on him in fucking space. It makes no sense for Hoshino to have it right here.
3: No, because he said he didn't have it when he was searching him.
4: I thought hey, that was him lying like a motherfucker. Really? I don't know. I don't. I just don't like this part. I don't think the whole beta capsule play in this episode makes much sense. Um, apparently, I did miss that, Derek. I, I do think you're probably right here. Um, that's what I get for taking notes while watching episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, also. What kind of bond was that that uh, Hayata was wrapped in? It looked like it was almost metal, like a metal.
3: It was like the fucking yeah, metal shit they put on, like, uh, lumber. Because I've seen that yeah. on metal, like, lumber carts and shit.
4: Yeah, that's pretty dope. Uh, so Hayata then held, tells Hoshino to get away, and Hoshino could have ran out and went down the stairs, but fuck that noise, I'm going to crawl back down my rope outside of this building. Which then leads to... Evil Ultraman. Yeah. <laughs> grabbing the... Ro- okay, and I'm about to hand this over to Don. Uh, but can we talk about Hoshino's amazing rope skills? <laughs> because he's getting fucking tossed around and flung around and he not once, like, loses grip on this rope. Like holy shit he should have flown off and died got smacked across a building something
3: oh she knows really japanese Ooh. spider-man
4: <laughs> apparently where is he he's about to call his giant robot Do you know spider-man has a giant robot in the japanese version probably it's not no he does it's legit he has a giant robot in the japanese spider-man live action tv show
3: oh shit really
4: yeah he does like it's legit uh it's a it's a legit thing uh the robot looks nothing like a spider by the way in case you, you know in case you were thinking he would do that nope he doesn't uh anyway i guess at this point we're gonna hand it over to don to let him take us for the ultraman fight breakdown okay
6: ultraman takes rises from the building and confronts the shocked fake ultraman allowing him to grab Hoshino from his attempt to grab Hoshino from his hands A back and forth struggle causes Ultraman to chop fake Ultraman's arm and allows him to finally grab Hoshino and lay him on the ground. The two begin brawling back and forth with chops and pushes where Ultraman finally chops Ultraman's fake head. The distraction allows fake Ultraman to fly away when Ultraman shoots a specium ray at him, sending him back to the ground, revealing Zareb as fake Ultraman. Ultraman tries to attack when Zareb blocks him and rushes to charge at him, but Ultraman blocks and draws a series of traps. A clubbing blow sends Zerub back and is finally tries to fly away, forcing Ultraman to chase after him. Zareb fly, fires missiles at Ultraman, which miss and they collide head first, where Ultraman grabs Zerub in a headlock and they begin tumbling through the air. Finally crashing back to Earth. Ultraman's color timer goes off, forcing him to fire a clubbing blows on Zerub. And finally fires a speed beam ray blast that blows Zerub to pieces. And then the episode just kind of fucking
4: ends. Yep. Uh the end not, not, not a lot of wrap up on this one, which I was kind of, uh, surprised about, uh, I thought it was a little weird, um, so, okay, Aliens Arrive actually is a pretty dope design, I, I, I really did actually like that design, uh, Fake Ultraman had a fucking awesome design, uh, this episode was really really good and this is an episode that I highly recommend watching the Japanese version for because uh, it goes a bit more in detail of everything and it kind of shows how serious this episode was taken uh, this is uh, highly rated in my episodes um, and not even really for the, for the kaiju fight or Ultraman versus Ultraman which was cool I really dug evil Ultraman But just, I really liked the the storyline for this episode. I really dug Aliens of Rob doing all this stuff. I really dug his whole thing of like, oh yeah, we're peaceful, I'm your brother. Actually, what I do is I come from a planet that just kind of, they destroy everything. So that's what I do is I just come around and try to destroy shit. (laughs) Uh, It was really cool. Um, I had a quote that I think is from the japanese episode where's my damn quote at uh where's where is it
3: coming at? where's
4: his code at where's his at yeah. uh, oh here it is uh it's when he's talking uh with uh hayata and he's like all the planets i have visited destroyed themselves fighting each other hayata responds how terrible and Zarab answers back i was born for this purpose it is what i do <laughs> and I and that's a quote from the Japanese version of the episode. But nonetheless, it's just a fucking super tight episode. Um, if we're going to go into an episode that kind of deals a bit more with, like, the government side of everything, it's really interesting because we get, um, you know, showing that the science girl kind of has a little bit of power. They get to tell the government no. Uh, not only that, you know, we've got the guy in the beginning who comes in and like goes, no one's been testing nuclear weapons. I call it everybody. This is some space shit. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Actually, they kind of, uh, funny in the Japanese version, Fuji actually calls him out when he goes, it's some kind of fog from space. And Fuji's like fog can't exist in space. So how is that possible? It's not natural, (laughs) uh, which is something we kind (laughs) of lose in, in this one. Yeah, Uh, but yeah I'm going to turn it over to y'all because obviously I could go on I fucking love this one uh, a lot I, I, I love all the suit designs I love the story I do actually love the politics and the government side in this one it was all very interesting to me uh venom let's see if i kill you um if you say you don't like this episode will venom die let's find out uh no i actually like the 1966
0: version of the mist i thought it was quite compelling <laughs>
4: uh, <laughs> all right
0: you get no, to no, live I, another day <laughs> no i genuinely did like this episode and i actually have a weird reason for liking it and it's the hot ultraman on ultraman action i am a gamer And um, one of my favorite genres of video games is fighting games. And one of my favorite things to do in fighting games when I'm fighting another actual player is to have what we call a mirror match. Uh, Mortal Kombat, I think, point that
1: term. The mirror match. You are correct.
0: Yep, and I always loved how that kind of... It, it it made an even playing field. It was skill against skill alone. Uh, obviously, all characters in fighting games like Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, they all have their advantages and disadvantages. But when both players are using the same fighter, like I said, it, it just ends up being skill on skill alone. So it was pretty cool. I, I know that the fake Ultraman maybe didn't have all his abilities, but I still thought it was a really, really cool fight. Once again, we get some good hand-to-hand combat and i'm right there with jerry i actually did enjoy the political aspect of this because it made sense an alien shows up and the government is like wait is he actually friendly i mean just because he says he's friendly are we supposed to just believe it blah 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 and you know the science patrol comes up with the idea of making him get rid of the mist to kind of quote unquote prove that he's friendly obviously there's a double cross there coming and we all know it but still it was still mildly compelling And is this the first example of an enemy kaiju that knows Hayata is Ultraman?
4: Yes, and this is also the first time an enemy disguises himself as Ultraman. Right.
0: Those two aspects alone make me genuinely love this episode. It just adds an extra element of danger, especially because at any moment I'm thinking that Sarab is just going to, you know, out him basically and just tell the world or the rest of the science patrol that, Hey, uh, you realize that's Ultraman right there. Right. So I just, I thought, like I said, it added an extra element of, uh, intrigue at least for me um same thing with the zarab uh design i loved his design i love the design of the ultra uh, of the uh, evil ultraman i like that they had the different color eyes so that you can kind of tell them apart but without being pandering about it I, I i genuinely enjoyed it i liked how both uh ultramen in the ultraman on ultraman fight both kind of um showed pain and like they messed up like even our our actual Ultraman at one point reeled back when he attacked um i think he attacked zarab with like a chop like a karate chop type attack and he actually back in pain like it hurt him more i thought that was awesome it just just showing vulnerabilities of this you know giant um kaiju that you know, constantly saves the world so just like i you know kind of like when we talked about godzilla versus gigan and how gigan was the first enemy to really give godzilla a good fight and even you know make him bleed for the first time so it's kind of along the same elements there so yeah uh, i'm not gonna say this is a favorite episode necessarily but yeah i really really like this one a lot so yeah i'm right on board with most of you guys
4: all right derek what do you think
3: uh yeah, I think this episode is okay. I wouldn't consider this one of my favorites. But I, I dug most of it for what it was. I'll uh, uh, all considering his voice, I like the design for what it is. It's kind of like a mixture of like a brown raisinette fucked a silver surfer. But, <laughs> you know, but I dig it for what it was, you know. And it was very lizard-like in his movements. I dug that aspect of it, too. So I liked how the suit actor kind of did a performance. Yeah. So I dig that aspect. And yeah, I get the exact piggyback on the political shit. It was cool to see that aspect of it, even though it was... You know, some of the shit was like, okay, could we just get some more action? You know, <laughs> you know, it, it, sometimes I think it lingered too long on it. That's probably one of my major gripes of it. But overall, it was a pretty good episode. Like I said, I like the mirror... Ultraman aspect which you know it plays into more like stuff that happens in Ultraman mythos especially the video games like there's a whole video game where there's like mirror men, you know <laughs> which is pretty rad uh which is a fighting game too Venom so <laughs> that's pretty awesome
4: do not for the love of god play the Ultraman towards the future fighting game for the Super Nintendo it is awful <laughs> it will uh make you want to die it will you will lose faith in humanity do <laughs> not do it i think it was a playstation
3: game the one i'm talking about
0: so you're saying it was worse than shack Fu?
3: it is worse than shack yeah because
0: a little bit of my soul died the day i played that game so yeah
4: i, I will definitely it, avoid the it, game and <laughs> make shack Fu look like street fighter 2 turbo oh god oh. <laughs> oh. it is bad I am not kidding. Holy shit, is it bad. Um,
3: but, yeah, I took I the episode for what it was, and I liked the final fight.
4: All right. Don, what about you? It's okay.
5: Um, I'm not a huge fan of the political stuff. Like, I really want... I understand what's going on, but... You know, I just want, like, a little bit more action. But... Most of it's just undone by having to listen to that voice in the English dub. True. Yeah, that kind of takes a lot of the fun out of it. So, But overall, I mean, I like where it's going. I like the idea. But, I mean, a lot, a lot of it's just undone by having to listen to that voice. So.
3: It's a That'll little be- Hitler of voices.
0: Yeah, I mean... I actually didn't mention that during my uh, uh, opinion of the episode. That is absolutely the worst part of it, especially with the fact that the version of the episode that I watched had one line spoken by Zarab in Japanese, and it was crystal clear. He sounded dignified. I mean, he 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 comes off in that one line, he came off very diplomatic, very, you know, matter of fact. Uh, about his mission and what he was doing and, and then the very next line goes back to the english dub and it's it's back to the just the shit in a giant empty room i just man I, whoever made the decision to make his voice like that really needed to be fired and granted this is 50 years later so who the hell cares but man i i absolutely hated that voice um and like i said easily the worst part of the episode for me and part of why the episode isn't an all-time favorite if they would have fixed just that voice part i could see this easily being like a top three episode for me but with that voice i just can't i can't forgive
4: it
3: but it does make me. well it,
4: the japanese version is for you yeah, yeah i exactly
3: what i'm saying i i want to rewatch it with the japanese dub, especially when i do pick up the blu-ray too and you know i'll, I'll definitely do that jerry yeah, uh,
4: I found something interesting. Uh, I was looking at the powers of Alien Zarab, uh, and one of them is the bindings. Zarab can imprison organisms in metal rings that can only be broken by salt water, such as tears. What? The more the prisoner struggles, struggles, the tighter the band becomes, crushing them which makes sense because uh Hoshino actually does cry in this episode and a tear from him crying gets on the band. Ah, I didn't notice that. Oh, that, that, that makes sense. sense then.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, there was a reason he cried like a little bitch. <laughs> um Yeah, I thought it was kind of fun funny. Um I, I got I was I'm looking at a picture of fake Ultraman also and god, he just looks so balling. Those eyes are fucking great. Yeah. Um, that needs to be an action figure. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure I could find it if I keep looking. Nice. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, there was something else I want. Oh, so, with like I was talking earlier, uh, you know in the earlier part of the episode when they're going to go check out the um, uh, fog and the captain's like, make sure you use like some kind of radiation thing and he kind of messes with the helmet and then they all leave yeah like that made no like they're told to wear like special suits but then they wear nothing but in the japanese version they actually explain that the helmets have a special ability and the helmets are actually what will protect them from radiation and they are not to take off their helmets
3: damn but half their face is still showing
4: yeah, I know, but I wanted to point out how stupid that is in the English dub, that they do kind of try to fix it in the Japanese dub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um not that it actually uh really works. But with that being said, um I think we are done with Ultraman. So uh next episode we'll go back to the one episode of Ultraman as we get back into Godzilla another kaiju. Um, so thank everyone for joining us. And before we get out of here, um, now that we have wrapped up our visions for Monsterland, uh, let's go up and tell everyone what we've been doing recently. I know we've been gone a long time, so let's just try to stick with what we've been doing recently. Uh, let's start with the guy who says the most Venom. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> as most
0: people know, the horror cast has made its triumphant return. Um, since our last episode of Underwater Kaiju, and we are now a weekly podcast. Basically, what we're doing now is every other episode is going to be our standard episode of what we've been watching, two feature reviews, minimum two feature reviews, because on the last episode, (laughs) we actually did three. Um, And then on the odd weeks, when we're not doing feature reviews, we're doing what's called a Rotten Roundtable, which is basically just... We have a bunch of podcast hosts join us. We talk about, you know, the news of the day, the state of horror. We also do delve a little bit into what we've been watching, give like little mini three to five minute reviews of what we've been doing and and those episodes have been coming out really good. on the very last episode, we actually had Duncan from the podcast under the stairs, which we were very excited to have him join us as we were trying to figure out a way to get him on the show. and God bless him. he stayed up until four in the morning, his local time to do that episode with us because, of course, Duncan is in the u k. so. Yeah that uh, you know kudos to him for joining us um so yeah so look for new episodes of the horror cast every wednesday morning moving forward uh, you can also hear me on No More Room in Hell uh, with Mr. Derek uh, Boo-Boo uh, joining us here um, <laughs> on the last episode. Oh, man, Derek, what did we do on the last episode? I forgot already.
3: Uh, we did the Bloodthirsty Trilogy. That's
0: right, the blood Yamamoto's Bloodthirsty Trilogy, which I'm sure Toho fans are interested in. So by all means, check out that episode. On um, the next episode of No More Room in Hell, we're going to be looking at modern black-and-white horror. We're going to have a discussion about it why some horror fans seem to have an aversion to black and white films. And then we're also going to be reviewing uh, The Eyes of My Mother and uh, the very recently released Laplace's Demon uh, from early 2019. So look out for that one. Uh, Of course, the sister podcast to No More Room in Hell is Fresh Cuts, where we only look at the newest films out, uh, our latest episode is of course dr sleep as it was just released a little over a week ago as we record this episode <clears throat> so check that one out on the horror Felia network spoiler alert i fucking loved it um <clears throat> and then a couple of my uh podcasts are still on hiatus as we're trying to figure out um scheduling and things like that we also um On one of my podcasts, we actually had a death in the family that one of the podcasters is dealing with. So that's probably going to delay us a little bit. And those two podcasts, I'm sorry, are Theme Warriors and the Slice and Dice Dreadcast, both available on the Horrorphilia Network. And then the last thing uh, that I can talk about today is, of course, my newest project with Mr. Jerry Herring called Cult Unknown, where we look at conspiracy theories, cryptozoology, SCPs. Creepy pastas, blah, blah, blah. We, we run the gamut of the, the mysterious, the macabre, and the unsolved. Um, we've done one episode so far on Bigfoot. We have plans for our next episode, which hopefully will be out sometime in December, so look for that and then i also and then believe it or not even with all of that i have a new horror, uh, horror movie podcast that will be starting up in january uh we have not made an official announcement about that yet so i'm going to keep that under my hat but continue to listen to the this program and any of my other shows and I'm sure as soon as a, a announcement is made on Facebook, I'll be talking about it on all my podcasts. And as far as social media goes, uh, on Twitter I am at Jerry Venom. On Instagram, I am at Venom Horror. On Facebook, I am Mr. Venom. And if you want to drop me an email, the address is Mr Venom Podcasts at gmail.com.
3: word derek your turn Um, i'll keep it short and simple i won't mention any no more room in hell stuff because venom already did that for me thanks buddy (laughs) so i'll just mention the ca and cd stuff uh cinema attack episode 33 just recorded last night of course uh we did the vengeance trilogy by park chan wook fun show glad we got to do that one uh, good discussions. We actually did like spoiler sections for uh, people who have seen the movies before. So good stuff with that. It was a good discussion on all aspects of uh, everything, especially the greatest Father's Day movie of all time. Old boy,
2: <laughs>
3: you know, but, wow, uh, yeah, exactly. Just watch it with the whole family. That one. <laughs> uh but anyways and besides that point that should be out next week and the week after that uh so the little eight dissections will be recording it's uh new episode me and miss carly and hopefully a special guest that so everything is going so good so good so far uh we will be looking at ridley scott's legend of uh, course uh we're going to be looking at both cuts of the film nice which was going to be interesting you know you compare like aspects to like the scores and stuff like that <laughs> you know, that's coming out, and that's pretty much it. Plus, underwater kaiju and around a space, and no more room in hell. What can I say, guys? Plus, mm. a few guest appearances here and there. Uh, keep them up because they haven't been recorded or released yet. That's what I'm saying. So, they should be out soon.
0: Mm. I, I oh. love one version of Legend and absolutely hate the other version of Legend.
4: I'll let you guys uh try to decide later on. <laughs> I've only ever seen one version of it. Is there a version of it that does not have Tom Cruise in it? Because I might
0: like Oh, it. that would be spectacular. But no, no. The the biggest difference between the theatrical and the director's cut uh, is the soundtrack. And oh, okay. I love one of them and I hate the other one. But that's a conversation for another show. So I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> fair. Oh, yeah.
3: Fair.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, Don, what do you got? I'm good fair enough alright I uh what have I done uh I just did uh kill the cast Vincent Price's uh house of wax and uh mask of the red death was our two latest episodes um next week I've got what coming out I've got uh I've done shit right yeah I've got a new atomic age saucer cast coming out on the thing from another world talking about that 1950s Howard Hawks classic Howard Hughes Howard Hawks what's his name Hawks you got it the first Hawks yeah uh we also have another kill the cast coming out to celebrate uh it's our anniversary four year five year I'm not really sure because I haven't looked it up but um we're doing cannibal holocaust because we we're jumping on that Italian horror month uh, and plus we started doing, We Kill the cast. first episode was an Italian horror film, so in November we try to hit an Italian horror film, plus it matches up with 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors, uh, Italian Month, which I was just on an episode there, you can go and check that out, uh, it's very X-rated, it uh, involves a lot of naughty language. I apologize for nothing except to that one guy who thought I was really annoying. Yeah, fuck it's him. okay, buddy. He said buddy. that Jeremy
3: was better than me. Fuck him.
0: Oh, God, that's no.
3: <laughs> that's objectively my, not true. My favorite fucking cast is Jeremy Moods and JP. I'm like, fuck you. I'm friends with you on Facebook. You know who you are. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Uh, so if you
4: don't like Jeremy, listen to the episode and you will hear uh, me really, really just do... Awful things. Just things that should be probably have me arrested in most states. Uh, uh
3: to him. The whole day thing was
4: <laughs> I take Jeremy out on a date. It's probably the nicest thing I do on that episode to him. But uh yeah, check that out. Um it's a fun time. Uh other than that, uh yeah, me and Mr. Venom will have something coming out for cults Unknown. Uh, that, uh, that show is probably never going to be a once a month show. It takes a lot more research, a lot more time. Uh, it's, it's harder to choose what we're doing next. We like, we thought we knew what we were going to do next and we changed it. Now we're kind of like, well, maybe we'll change it again. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Uh, Cult Unknown is just a lot harder to do. It takes a lot more time than any other podcast that I do. Um, so... Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, though, in December, I'll sit down in the next two days and, like, force myself to either finalize what we're going to do or pick a new topic and hope I don't change my mind. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, me and Vinom put a lot of work into that, so expect those to take a bit longer. Uh, with that being said, uh, I had a lot of fun doing a bunch of Ultraman episodes, and I hope you guys had a lot of fucking fun, too uh we are going to get out of here so listen to all the shows we talked about links in the description for them all um hopefully nothing i've got outdated i should probably check on that especially with everything that venom does and plus i think i need to add that celluloid discussion to it we'll figure that out i may have to do update a link guys but we're going to get out of here. Thank you for joining us for Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. With our visions for Monsterland, we will be back next time with something from the world of Godzilla. We love you, Screonk like a motherfucker. And, uh, you know, fly towards the future or some other Ultraman shit. Yeah, and
3: just don't have asses for mouths, guys.
4: Yeah, don't <laughs> have silver starfish mouth. It's gross. <laughs>